1994 saw the release of three amazing movies in the same year. Pulp Fiction, The Shawshank Redemption, and Forrest Gump. Wowie zowie! All three were up for a Best Picture Oscar, and one of them wins it. Did they get it right? This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, you're getting three reviews in one as we discuss and compare the three films, what they meant to us, their influence on pop culture and movie making, and we pick our own Best Picture winner. Plus, tons of news on the season two of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. The new Mutants movie gets yet another release date. And Tom Cruise in space. All that and more in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, May 14th, 2020. This is Jason Mewes, and for reasons best left between you and your therapist, you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Snooch to the nooch. What's up? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, bringing you comic book and superhero, TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's the Nerd. And joining us is the puppet who's on his wallet. It says, Bad Mother Felty on it. Uh, it's Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? Yeah, walking the earth like Kane and Kung Fu. That's right. Say what again. Say what again, motherfucker. I double dare you. Look at the big brains on Rugboy. Oh, we could do this all day. We better stop. Yes, absolutely. Listen. You guys are showing your bias already. Maybe a little bit. That's going to come later in the show. Can't wait to get to that part. But before we begin, fellas, I got to address the virtual elephant in the virtual room here, which would be the, uh, let's say, critical response to my feelings of Kingsman, the Secret Service from our review last episode. Oh, shit. Wow, I think I touched a nerve in the uh, Jock and Nerd Nation Facebook group. Have you guys been following this? Really? I, I have been following. Uh, maybe it's because the first time that you had an opinion. That, <laughs> like maybe it's because like, usually you like everything. So it's like when you don't, it makes an impact. Like when I hate everything all the time. So it's just like, oh, here he goes again. I mean, so. I got some uh, you know passionate reactions from uh, listeners like Lisa Morrison and Roberto Rivera. And Chaz Hebert, Anthony, your co-host for Jock Talk, yeah, our Patreon-only sports show. I just, I just love that you put on your big boy pants for once, and you, you got deep pants it's again. The wrong fucking movie. Here, look. In the interest of fairness, I want the listener to have their voice heard. I'm just gonna play the very beginning of the latest episode of Jock Talk that was published uh, this week to use Chaz as kind of the proxy for the listeners. What do you say? Sure, go for it. And we are back with another Jock Talk. Chaz Hebbard is here. First, before we get into jock stuff, I just want to really quickly bash Imran. How, <laughs> how about that? Imran decides to finally take a stand and, and dislike something, and he just picks a movie that's just universally loved and no one can really hate. Yeah, I love that movie so much. And Imran, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, he said that he didn't like it that much, but I didn't think he was going to go that hard on it. Like, he went really hard. It felt like... 
to me, it felt like a little kid or like a, just some, someone that's been told all their life, like, you, you're just too nice. You're too nice. And then he just bursts at the wrong moment. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I am too nice. And then yeah. just beats and just somebody shits, up for no yeah, reason. Just, <laughs> yeah, beats up someone. Yeah, exactly. Beats up some little kid. <laughs> that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> so, you know what? That, I feel like you were leading the witness there, Anthony. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> statement there is... Pretty much kind of what happened. I would agree. I think he nailed it pretty well. I just found the weakest, geekiest movie and took out my anger. I'm not changing my opinion on Kingsman. I still stand by my you gotta, words. You, you got to dig your heels in your mouth. At some point, I got to draw a line. Sack up. What are you going to do? I'm not changing it. But I'm glad. Look, I'm just happy I got a reaction. It's much better. A negative reaction is better than no reaction as far as I'm concerned. So, Well, also in that episode, Lisa Morrison pointed it out, and I pointed it out live, that you didn't consider women no, people either. Is, that was incorrect. If you go well, and yeah. listen, it was a... <laughs> slip up and we made fun of the fact and yeah oh there was a bunch of lame just fucked up things going on it's a fun listen if you haven't listened listen or check it out <laughs> last episode anyways let's get to i enjoyed it the geek yeah. news you bastards the jock, jock and nerd podcast women are superhuman which is better than people that's all okay. that's all i'm gonna say Okay. Right. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Anyways, moving into the news, got a lot of updates on uh, Mando, Mandalorian season two on the Disney Plus. Some exciting things coming out, like Boba Fett did not die in Return of the Jedi. Rugs. Oh shit! Tell me more. Emma. He has been Tamura Morrison has been cast as Boba Fett for season two. Oh, any relation to the other Morrisons that watch our show? Are, they may be distant relations to the Canadian mm. Morrisons. I don't know. Right. Tamara Morrison was uh, Django. Was he? Well, so Tamara Morrison played Django Fett, which is Boba Fett's father in Attack of the Clones. Is that right? Yeah, he's the he's like the everybody looks like him. Yeah, and all so the they're clones. all clones of him. So he also was the fa- Arthur Curry's father in Aquaman, which is probably what you were thinking of, Anthony. No, I was thinking of who he was in Green Lantern. Oh, he he was in Green Lantern too. He was the purple guy that gives the George the ring to Hal Jordan. Oh, he was Avin Sur. Avin Sur, yeah, yeah. No, oh, he's got a lot of comic book geek credit. But I thought that at the end of Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett falls into the Sarlacc pit and gets eaten. Really, Imran? Really, he didn't. He, Darth Maul uh, is alive. Yeah, yes, Darth Maul was killed by Anakin. He was sliced in by half. Everyone. He has no dick. And he has no dick. He's got robot legs. He's a dickless <laughs> He's a dickless Darth. But I'm look, I'm glad there's Darth Dickless. Darth Dickless is the darkest Darth around. Well, yeah, he's gonna he's take over. Badass, even I'm though, glad, that but, probably makes him even more angry. He's got no dick. Five times yes. fast. <laughs> He's got. I'm just glad Boba Fett is going to be. I wonder if Boba Fett has his dick. Everything should be okay. Yes. See, look, I figured out how to put a dick joke in the beginning of the show. There you go. Uh, I'm glad Boba Fett will be in the show because, like, it's a great show about Mandalorians. You got to have Boba Fett. Also joining Battlestar Galactica's Katie Sackoff as Bo Katan. That's a good cast. She is also from Clone Wars, and she looks just like the character from Clone Wars already. I believe she voices her in Clone Wars. Does she? I think so. Somebody looked that up. I could be wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't I know. I think they're using the actual Katie Sackhoff is voicing Bo-Katan. So that's exciting because we already knew uh, Ahsoka Tano is going to be in season two, played by Rosario Dawson. That's a great cast. She looks just like Ahsoka Tano. You also have Michael Bean in this one. 
uh, everyone's favorite Kyle Reese. And then uh, Anthony, rumor has it, WWE wrestler Sasha Banks could be in. Why do you say me like as if I watch pro wrestling all the time? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who Sasha Banks is. Look, but I, I looked her up, up yeah. and she is very hot. Is this like a precedent where they're just adding all these female pro wrestlers? Well, she's Gina, hot yeah. and she's uh, Snoop Dogg's niece, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. she's real hot. She's a Snoopette. Sasha Banks. Gina Carano was not. She wasn't in the WWE, right? She's a. She's a, She was a she was MMA. MMA so yeah, they're just adding MMA okay, fighters and wrestlers. That's a good Sabine, I guess. And then directors. This is exciting. Joining the season two, Robert Rodriguez, who recently did Battle uh, Lead a Battle Angel, and Peyton Reed, who did the Air Man movies, will be directing episodes in the next season. And it will be coming out October 2020. They have said there has been no delay in production. Oh. By the way, I watched that Mandalorian documentary thing. Yeah, what did you think of that? Not the whole thing. Yeah. I just watched the first episode. Yeah, there's two episodes of <laughs> The funniest thing to me yeah. is David Filoni's voice because his voice doesn't match his, like the way he looks. No, it doesn't. <laughs> he, he has like this little like little like voice. It's funny. In the second episode, he goes on this long speech about how much Star Wars means to him, and he breaks down. He is such a huge Star Wars fan. I believe it. He I believe knows it. everything. Uh, it's Filoni. Not- he knows Filoni, knows Baloney. No, he knows everything. That series isn't bad on Disney+. Plus. There's, there's two episodes. It's not bad. Uh, and then last thing, turns out Taika Waititi uh, decides to roll the dice on his career, and he will direct a Star Wars movie. Oh, shit. Officially wow. confirmed by Lucasfilm. Is he going to get to do what he wants to do? I, I think so. I hope not. You don't want, you don't, so you don't want him to do what he wants to do? Well, I just think that... He, I mean, I, even watching this thing on the Mandalorian uh, documentary, they they had to rein him in because he was going wanting to go. He wanted to go some crazy directions, and then Favreau had to be like, "No," and Filoni had to be like, "No, we can't. We got to keep you in this little pocket." So, there. Rugs. That being said, and now that the Skywalker saga is over, he doesn't got to worry about all this fucking bullshit. What advice would you have for Taika Waititi going into his own? I Star would Wars movie? say that try and I don't know. I don't try and reinvent it. Try and improve it. That's all. Uh, Anthony, you think like a Thor Ragnarok version of Star Wars is going to play well with the Star Wars fans? This could be career suicide. It's hard to please all of them. We know this. I mean, there could be a pocket universe that has it. I don't really, I don't really know. I, I don't really care about Star Wars. <laughs> I think putting Taika in a situation where he might be boxed in is probably not the best use of his talent. Mm. But we'll see if they're uh, what they have planned. I agree with that. At least with Thor, Marvel kind of like let him do what he wanted other than yeah. like, hey, just set up the end so that it ties into Infinity War, please. Yeah, with Star Wars, you kind of have to yeah, Nothing follow. they had with Thor was working. Right. Right. So, so they just redid it. Redid the whole fucking thing. Yeah. So they just like let him, okay, just re repackage this. But, you know, there's not much to constrain him now that the Skywalker thing is over. You, There's so much to explore. It's just still got to feel like Star Wars. So. You can't have people having slapstick balls bounce off their head. like. Well, like, I mean, we just watched the Clone Wars ending that yeah. was done by Filoni. Yes. And I think Favreau was involved in that. Yeah, he may have been. And that was fucking epic. Yeah. And it felt like like it was felt serious yeah. and it felt like it had emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I missed that in a way. But let's see what happens. Listener, let us know. What you think about Taika directing a Star Wars movie? Join our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. It's exclusive. It's closed just for you. We're all in there. You'll find lots of interesting posts. Uh, moving on, this movie gives me a headache, which is the New Mutants. 
because what are they doing? They have given it yet a fourth new release date, oh, like a theater shit. release. Yes, in the, in the movies. Yes, they don't exist anymore. Exactly. Uh, it hmm. will now hit theaters this August, August twenty eighth, twenty twenty. If the movie theaters have opened up, when Amazon buys the movie theaters. Yeah, there was that rumor Amazon might buy AMC, but uh, somebody's going to buy something. But listen, this is from THR. It says The New Mutants was filmed in 2017. This Jesus was, Christ. Yes. Originally set to open April 13th, 2018, then got pushed back to February 2019, and then moved to August 2019 with insiders suggesting reshoots would happen. They're saying reshoots never happened. The movie we're getting remains largely what test audiences saw three years ago. Oh, shit. But with finished visual effects, we saw there was a new trailer in January. It was supposed to come out April of this year, 2020. And because of coronavirus, it is, did not come out. It will be out August of 2020, maybe. I, I have to jump in and just say, I forget who said it in the Facebook group. Yeah. So I'm sorry to that person. Yes. But it, it made me really, it made me laugh. Yes. They're like, by the time this movie comes out, Maisie Williams will be looking like Betty White. That was John Campbell. And that was a great line, John Campbell. <laughs> that was the line of the group. At this point, I'm, I've gone from geek boner, floppy jock, to floppy jock on this fucking movie. <laughs> because just in the meantime, it slipped out. Amazon had put up a pre-order for like a day. It was looking like this thing was going to come out VOD. Uh, I, I, you saw, you could see the screenshots. You, uh, you could pre-order the movie for twenty six dollars. I don't know, trolls. Twenty six bucks. You're, so you're going to charge double what an expensive movie theater well, would charge? Trolls w- went for twenty dollars, and they made a hundred million dollars in three weeks. Twenty. I think they, I don't know why you go twenty six. That's a lot. I probably still would have fucking paid <laughs> if I was. If this is the only way it was coming out, I, I guess. I mean, people are desperate for content. But well, twenty six. I would have seen it. If I would have seen it on Dolby, it would have been twenty bucks. So, look, if two ticket. people you pay twenty six <laughs> bucks and you and a buddy watch it, that's you. Know, you go thirteen dollars a piece. It's kind you of what you could argue. Dolby is a little bit better. Yes, quality yes. than uh, well, yes. your fucking. I would have loved. Home. Yes, I would have loved to have seen the Dolby. Well, if I sound. put the phone right up to my face, <laughs> <laughs> don't watch it on your phone, Rox. Oh, oh, that's not it. how the filmmaker. I, I remember listening to um, Eddie Bravo on Joe Rogan, and yeah. he goes. Uh, if you put the phone like right up to your face, it's like watching an IMAX. And Joe Rogan's like, "No, Eddie, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it is Joe. Google it. Google it." <laughs> and that's his response. Look into it. Yeah, look into it. The Earth is not round. Google it. Um. Ah. Uh, so I don't know what the fuck new mutants. I like. I'm kind of still dying to see this. But yeah, these. They, this was really shot. You're dying to see this. I after all this three years of hype and anticipation. Is it hype? <laughs> was it hype? Just the. I don't think yeah. it's three years of hype. I think it's three years of oh my god, what are we doing with this? Yeah, thing? it's just you should have fucking put it out already. It's just it's infamous. It's just a movie. It's just a. It's, it's just a movie. like it's gonna mean nothing with the X Men moving no. forward. Yeah. So what a fucking weird lame duck. And let's we'll see if it comes out. Probably not. Like you're not like you blew it. You lost your chance. Yeah. You fucked around too much. Um, you know, you got caught up in a fucking. Uh, what do you uh, and it, with uh, getting absorbed by Disney? Yeah, all this shit yeah. happened. Like it's a wash. Just put it out on VOD. Fuck that yeah. show. Yes, <laughs> just cut your what losses. was it called? A merger. I was trying. That's a word I couldn't figure out for some reason. It's a buyout. Yeah, it's a merger buyout. What merger buyout? 
That's, those are two different things, Imran. Really? So what was yeah. the uh, Disney Fox deal? Is that a merger or a buyout? I think, I think they it was included, a buyout. I think they act, it was an acquisition. Act, that's a third thing. A buyout would be like... That's not a buyout? I'm buying your no, company? No, they, they were, you know, not really. Hmm. I, don't, I can't really explain it right now. Like you're buying, controlling, whatever. Uh, yeah. Like the company's going out of business and you bought them out. Whatever. Point is, Fox doesn't exist. Disney owns Whatever you want to call that. A merger would be like it'd become Disney Fox. Oh, yes. So, Ruggs was wrong initially. Uh, just po- pointing that out. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm just going to choose to blame you, Imran. That's fine. Everyone blame me. I hate Kingsman. Fuck off. What do you want? <laughs> you hate good movies. I hate... Listen, what? <laughs> just, just not for me? Sorry. Uh, also, coming out later this month, HBO Max, May 27th. Uh, the big streaming dick about to drop. From Warner Brothers HBO. Big streaming dick. Yeah, they're going to drop their big streaming thud, unzip thud. Uh, the, so they've released their second wave of shows that are going to be starting in June. And on that, Doom Patrol Season 2 has a date. It's going to premiere June 25th. Geek Boner. Doom Patrol, the best thing to come out of this DC Universe streaming app. Did we order this yet or what? Uh, I have yeah. not. Can you pre-order it? I will pre-order it uh, later, soon as we're done. But... I've been reading articles about uh, the the guys at Warner Brothers talking about the DC Universe, and apparently nobody knows what the fuck they're going to do with it. They are not sure. They are confused what it means for DC Universe. Uh, They feel like a lot of its content doesn't have an exclusive feel. Uh, So They don't even have everything you should have on a DC Universe app. Yeah. Well, I can't find movies that that have been out for years on there. Yeah, a lot of those are going to be on the HBO Max. Like, what is that? They don't own those. Like, I want to watch some comic book movies that they did, some animations that they did, animations. Like what? Like which? Like they don't have every single DC animation on there. Yeah, animated movie. There's tons missing. It says in here they want to keep it around, but they want to keep it small. It may still be around for a year or two, but it is confusing. I'll tell you what. It sucks, DC. And you should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> Fuck you. They should be. Fuck that show. Uh, Fuck that app. So here's the other thing that's happening. Swamp Thing that was on DC Universe is going to air on CW, basically because CW has run out of shit to broadcast. There will be all the Arrowverse shows kind of had their impromptu season finales this week, next week. No new Arrowverse shows until January of next year. Oh shit! Because the production had halted and they can't get back to it. So if you guys can, if you haven't seen Swamp Thing, it'll be on CW. But Anthony, here's what's still on the DC Universe app. They're up to twenty three thousand digital comics. Yay! Yay! Yay. DC Star Girl will debut on May eighteenth. The Harley Quinn show is running currently. Uh, and that's we'll, your favorite show. It's all time. fucking. That's like the second best thing after Doom Patrol on this app. Uh, then I said Doom Patrol season two, June twenty fifth. Superman Red Sun will be out June seventeenth. And the new animated movie Justice League Dark Apocalypse, which I heard is really good, that's not on there yet. So that'll probably be on there later this year. We still have the app. We still have the app. We still it's, have it. It's paid I went for. to go watch Wonder Woman, that first movie with uh that came out like maybe four or five years the ago. The animated one from like 2011. Yeah, or it's not right? there. It's not there? Yeah. No. What are you doing, TC? That's rough. What are you doing? I, I never understood what they're I went to watch the Batman, the 60s Batman. Yeah. It's not on there. It, what? That's tough. That was on there. That's a hu- That would be a huge thing for a lot of old school fans. That's a big fuck up right there. I thought that like, was There's on so there. many things that they should have that they don't have on there. 
I mean, I think they're probably putting. They're going to move a lot of it off. No, they're to just fucking. Max. They're being stingy with that shit. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. It's like they have nothing to put on there, so they're just withholding stuff. Yeah. To make it, then they'll give it to you later. Like it's so stupid. It's like that's not like Netflix took away Stranger Things. <laughs> they might like, at some point years down the line, but not when the first year it comes out. No. no. Give me a fucking break. Let me at least like the app and recommend it to people instead of me going. This is a fucking piece of shit. You know what? Every time that was also kind out. of the problem of Quibi. Anthony, I don't know if you jump back into that. I think I have not. I have not looked at Quibi I, since we first talked. I about think it. that that experiment is kind of coming out as a failure now. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. What's making you say that though? Because have you seen stuff? Uh, because I don't have it. <laughs> Collider had an article talking about you know how COVID nineteen outbreak wasn't the reason Quibi didn't get to where it was, and it was what, what, what's where it was. Like or, you mean their goals? Or, yeah, getting it okay. bigger. You know, the fact that people's routines changed wasn't a factor on this phone-only thing. They cite, and I think this is a big problem, is you can't – there's no buzz about Quibi because you can't share – like clips from the show you can't uh, you can't yeah. take a little 30 second yeah that that's a big thing yeah. with, with phones and yeah. social medias like yeah that is a good point because i never thought of that because when i'm on youtube and i watch something that i really like i share just share that. it with yes. someone yeah that's how you get awareness that's how you get eyeballs on it how are you supposed to get eyeballs when it's locked hey, go in go pay for this yeah go on yeah. your phone yes and then check it out trust me you love it yeah. There's this hot girl I swiped right on. Go pay for her. <laughs> Tinder Plus. <laughs> yeah. But if you can't get your fan base, oh, here's another great story. Real quick. There was this podcast by some couple big guys. They called it the Quibi Cast, and they were excited about this platform. They started it before it came out. The platform comes out. They're hyping up the shows. They're free advertising, right? Quibi sends them a fucking cease and desist letter. Oh, shit. Saying you can't use your name. You can't use any images. They're like, fuck you, Quibi. We're trying to help you. They changed the name of their podcast uh, to Streamverse. On the first episode, they get Jeffrey Katzenberger on, CEO of Quibi, and he basically apologizes and said, we should never have sent that letter. Sorry that, you know, <laughs> for, for... You done fucked it but up, they Quibi. got so much publicity that I'm sure they picked up a lot of fucking subscribers. We should have pulled a stunt like that, goddammit. That's how you get people listening. But you got to be able to share stuff with people to turn them on. How else are they going to know what the fuck's going on? All right. Sticking with DC news. Here's some news regarding one of my favorite DC titles ever. That's Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Not that Sandman. Or Mr. Sandman. Send me a dream. Uh, No. While they're working on the Netflix show, Audible is working on a drama that's going to adapt the first three trade paperbacks of Sandman. Here is the fucking talent. You have Riz Ahmed as the Corinthian, Kat Dennings as Death, Taron Egerton playing John Constantine, Neil Gaiman will be the narrator, James McAvoy as Morpheus, Sandman. Fucking McAvoy as Morpheus. Well, Taron Egerton's going to be in this, and you hate Kingsman, so this is already a flop. But I don't have to see his face, so... The only thing I don't like is Kat Dennings' death. Kat Dennings is going to play like a mall chick uh, death. It's kind of like death. Samantha Morton is in it, Baby New Earth, Andy Serkis as Matthew the Raven, and Michael Sheen as Lucifer. Uh, It's an amazing cast, and I can't wait to see what kind of production uh, to trap you. And if Sandman works in an audible format... 
because it's very visual. It's very trippy. What do you think, Rugs? Can would would this be something you would listen to? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, then. I will listen to it. I mean, I can barely read Sandman. So, I mean, I like Sandman. I when what what I've read, but I read it so long ago. I don't and I don't have the uh, the idea to go and read it again. So, I think this would be a good uh, thing to get people into Sandman. Anthony, what are your thoughts on Audible on uh, audio dramas? Have you ever listened to any? Do you, would you? I really don't have much of an opinion because I've never really never. listened to them. Like, ne- like you never bought a book on Audible, and like, and I don't have a lot of interest in it. But yeah. I didn't have a lot of interest in watching any of the movies I've watched maybe a year ago. So who knows? Maybe I'll become an audible book guy. I used used to do audio books a lot back in the day, but not as much anymore. Ever ever since podcasts came out and like uh, shit like that. I don't need. I don't. I mean, you can learn a lot with both audio books and satellite radio. That really. They they have a lot of content on the there. Wolverine podcast on Stitcher though is some amazing sound design and acting, and it's that's very good. Uh, but I will check I out. I mean, it sounds awesome. Yeah, Sandman is awesome. And then last thing, Tom Cruise is officially going to go to space to shoot a fucking movie. Oh shit! Uh, in conjunction with NASA and Elon Musk, and is he going to fly the spaceship? X. He is. He may do a spacewalk. Here's my question. Like he's gonna be like, can you let me fly it, Anthony? Is this finally how Tom Cruise dies making a movie? Oh shit! What do you think? Going to space? He's done everything else? On the space no, man. Zeno's waiting for him up there. Zeno is up there. He's he like, will save him. T- if it, is if he's he gonna, in level five. If he's gonna go, this is the way to go out. Filming a movie on the space station. He's level five Scientologist. That's pretty high, Rux. Well, I don't even know if that's a. I don't know. That that's a level. Thing probably a higher level. I don't even. But, I'm just pulling shit out of my asshole. I mean, you're right. This is a good way to go. And I mean, the the man has done everything. He's learned everything for every movie. This is like the last thing. I'm sure he's sitting around thinking, "I got to go to space. It's the only thing I have done." It will not be a Mission Impossible movie. So I don't know what this fucking movie will be. Mission Impossible in space. <laughs> good for him. Uh, it could be the last movie Tom Cruise ever makes. We'll see, Anthony. Yes. Will you tell our awesome listener about uh, this episode's sponsor for this episode? Oh, well, I gladly will. Support for Jock and Nerd is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I don't know. Imran, have you taken advantage of the Manscaped stuff? I have. You know, they've sent us great products. They... Sent us the lawnmower 3.0. I was just going to talk about the 3.0. It's new and improved. And we have our <laughs> own promo code, which is my favorite part of this. Yeah, we got a promo code. So if you go to manscaped.com, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code jock and nerd. That's jock, A N D, and nerd. And you can buy that 3.0, which has been uh, handcrafted for 18 months. To perfect the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. And it's the third generation, 3.0, that's what that would mean, featuring a ceramic cutting edge. And that's all it has. But it has, it, it will, it will, it will trim that, your fucking what, what, what does that mean for you? It means that the blade doesn't get hot and burn your nutsack. Uh, right, it remains well, cool. All I know is it feels, it feels good on my nuts and it looks even better when it's done. So, and it won't nick, there you go. It won't nick your nuts. 
Yeah. Also has a, an LED light, so if you want to uh, trim in the dark, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but if you want to do it. The light is very helpful on this lawnmower 3.0. I'll tell you, one of our... Wait, wait, there's, yeah. one, wait, there's one more feature. Yes. It's 7,000 RPM, which is basically like a real lawnmower on your nuts. Oh, shit. I think 7, that's 000? the same. Really? It probably is. That's a lawnmower. I have no idea. I don't know what RPMs mean, so <laughs> I guess 7,000 seems like a lot. What but kind of a jock are you? You don't know revolutions per minute on a motor? Do you, do you have something car? you want to say, or I can finish this one up? Go ahead. <laughs> well, get 20% off free shipping with the code jockandnerd at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Even though you probably, if you're single right now, you probably have no one to show off those nice trimmed balls to. But if you have a wife or a girlfriend, then show off that Lex, those Lex Luthor balls with Manscaped. Make the great gift for yourself or your man if you got a man. And one more thing. Help us look good to Manscaped <laughs> during this one month trial run. Because if you don't, well, I'm not going to talk about this stuff anymore. We want so. to extend the sponsorship. And I'll tell you someone who is... Helping us is a listener and Patreon supporter, Jose Ibarra. nerd. He just left a comment on our Patreon page saying, My balls, thank you for the Manscaped discount code. I finally pulled the trigger on the Lawnmower 3.0 perfect package. Game changer. I'll be thinking of you guys every hmm. time I look down and no longer see a ball fro. That's not weird, right? nerd. So he, when he doesn't shave, he's got like an afro going. See, mine is more like a. Like a dirty swamp, <laughs> like a mullet, kind of like a yeah, yeah like a weird, kind of like a mullet, like, yeah. like you know, like the Wavy. that like that like grass that that marsh that hangs out in the in the swamps. Yes, that's how I feel like, like my like swamp thing. hair looks. Yours yeah. looks like swamp things pubic hair. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It kind of looks like his face. Yeah, like my, some... one of my nuts. If you drew like <laughs> two eyes oh, on it, it would look like his face. Jesus. Did you draw his balls, Imran? <laughs> I'll be working on that T-shirt for our shop uh, right now, listener. Jose, thank you so much for using the code, and it's not weird. I like to imagine when he looks down now, he sees our cartoon heads just floating above his junk. That'd be awesome. You know, that's great. We, you should draw a little, besides my balls, you should also draw our two faces as balls with the Manscaped <laughs> 3.0. dick! Right. Oh, boy. Or as, like, shaving them. Oh, yes! That'll and, be And, like, fun. part of your hair is coming off. I don't know if this is, like, a promotional image or a new piece of merch. We'll figure it out. Uh, check it out. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code. Let's take a break here. Play some promos. And we'll be back to discuss an amazing year in movies right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Brian. And I'm Heno. We're three friends that talk about mental health, wellness, and our lives. Through articles and tips, we share what has worked for us on our paths overcoming depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, alcoholism, and addiction. Come join us on our journey. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast. Just search for The Crazy Life. Remember, wiggle your toes and just keep breathing. We'll get you back to your regularly scheduled podcast in just a minute. But we wanted to introduce ourselves. I'm Jason. I'm Jeff. And I'm Blake on this highly produced advertisement. That's right. It's the History of Bad Ideas, a.k.a. Hobie. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bad Ideas Podcast and on Facebook at the History of Bad Ideas. But if you like a podcast uh, roundtable with three to five guests, usually every week, depending on sick leave, uh, talking about all things geek, including movies, TV, 
I ain't getting paid for this shit. Blake bitching about something and ranting, uh, and comic books and anything else that we can think of. We have a top five list every week, along with a box office news, and somehow we have listeners, so they send us some feedback we answer every week. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Spotify, and any good podcast app, because if you can't find us on that podcast app, it's not a good podcast app. Damn straight. Roger says goodbye. Goodbye. Listen, if you've been enjoying the show and want to give back, uh, put back into the tip jar for all the entertainment value you're getting, join our fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Right, Anthony? There's There's value here. Oh, yeah. As low as a dollar a month, you get a ton of bonus content such as early access to our shows, the Jock and Nerd, the spinoff show, if I ever decide to do that again. Post shows, instant reactions, Corona binge reports with all the stuff we're watching. Yeah. Jock talks. There, and if you give us $10 or more a month, you can pick any movie to force us to watch and review. And we've done a bunch of those and we have a bunch more coming in the future. Anthony, what did you watch this week for the Corona binge reports on the Patreons? So recording this on Thursday. When this comes out Sunday, I'll have watched maybe more. Oh, but shit, it's at this Thursday? Point, Fuck. Yeah. I've watched uh, some hitters this week. Yeah. There will be blood, cool. misery. Misery's free, by the way, so you get a little taste of what we're talking about. Yep. Uh, the King's Speech, The Artist, a goddamn silent film. In black and white, too. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, black and white. Lincoln, and I recently, as of today, watched Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, oh, shit. That's a good uh, lineup. You're making your way through the Oscar winners of the 20. 20- Tens, kind of? I've, I've completed them. Wow. I've done all the Oscar winners of 2010s. Wow. Yeah, check all those out. And, and early preview, my favorite out of all those movies was There Will Be Blood. Ah. it's uh, a good one. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I'm surprised you got through the King's Speech and the Artist, personally. Oh, those were two. Those were two interesting movies yeah. for me I to watch. I was like, oh. Boy. I enjoyed both of those movies for what they were. And like Anthony said, new jock talk. Sports is back. You guys, uh, you and Chaz. Their bottom is is very weak. Talking about uh, UFC, actually the only sport happening right now to an empty crowd. Yeah. That's pretty, completely empty arena. That's pretty interesting. Check it out all at jockinner.com slash Patreon. Anthony, 1994 yes. was an amazing year for movies. The- were you born yet? I was six years old. Oh, shit. Fuck off. The, yeah. the 90s in general was great, but 94 had some heavy hitters. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, your idea for this segment here? Well, if you're looking at the title of the show, you might already oh, know. Oh, you saw it. But if you aren't and you decided you just stumbled upon the jock and nerd and think we're going to talk about um, when baseball is coming back, we're not talking about that. Uh, we are talking about movies. And in this one, we're kind of following the theme of what I've personally doing, been doing, which is watching a lot of Oscar movies. And I looked back at the Oscar nominees and all that from all the past years because now I'm a changed man. I'm a cinephile. I only like <laughs> you're an Oscar movies. Yeah, yes, I'm now an snob. expert. You I are know, a film snob. Yeah, I could direct a better movie than anyone at this point. 1994, three of the greatest movies ever yeah, came out. Yeah. In fact, these are three movies that are currently in the top 10 for IMDb's top-rated English movies ever wow. rated by the fans. Wow. One is number one, one is number seven, and one is number ten. Yeah. And these all came in at the same year in 1994. 
Uh, those movies being Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, and Forrest Gump. There were two other movies that were nominated also that year because they had to get to five. So Quiz Show and Four Weddings and Your Funeral. But we're going to talk about those three that I named first. Forrest Gump being the winner. And I thought at this time, now that I'm a cinephile, Ruggs hates everything, Imran loves everything, <laughs> we could talk about these three movies and actually debate. First talk about how great each of the three are and then have our own little mini debate or just our own personal rankings on how these three ranked. Let so. me uh, give you a spoiler alert because if you haven't seen these, I can't believe you haven't. But we there will be spoilers. We're going to talk about Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. The, the five Best Picture nominees are crazy. I don't know how Four Weddings at a Funeral ended up there. That one is... How old were you in 1994, Imran? I was... 72. I was... <laughs> I think I was 18. Okay. I was a young, fresh pup of 18. Yeah. I, I'm curious when we get into this, like what your mindset at the time was. Because yeah. I think it's interesting looking at how you how you guys felt about them at the time and then maybe how you feel about them later. Well, it's like one of the things that 1994 was a year. I think I was a year older than Imran. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very thankful that I was in the mindset already to be a, I was cinephile rug boy then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was able to enjoy these movies when they came out and not like kind of pass them up. So uh, I was very thankful that I was surrounded by people who were into movies and kind of pointed me in this direction. Uh, yeah, same with me. At, when I was 18, I was in college and I just started watching a lot of movies and I hung out with all the movie majors, uh, the film majors. And I probably should have fucking went to school to be a film major because that's kind of what I wanted to do because I kept hanging out with them. But the, I would get introduced to crazy movies and just watched everything. So this was part of my – that was the, the peak education of movies, being 18 and, and, and watching these movies. Uh, okay, let me around come in real quick. Yeah. Because I was only six years old and I'm now an expert on these movies. Yes, you're the expert. I have the best memory of these movies. Can I just do a quick setup for all three and then we can talk go, about them in order? Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So Forrest Gump is basically the movie that – I would say is the most Oscar baity. Definitely. And also like has the most, one of the more iconic characters ever. Yeah. Right. Forrest Gump. Yep. It's the one with the biggest budget, I believe. Yeah. And it's the one that I think pulls at your heartstrings the most. Then you got Pulp Fiction, which is the one with like the, where the indie movie directors are starting to like yep. really put their foot down. And it's the one that kind of like changes the game in terms of how it's edited, the story sequence, um, the dialogue, the way it's just, the way it's all crafted together, it's with this young up and coming director. A low budget. It's like, it's yeah, it's low budget, but it's like what all the cool kids like, right? Mm -hmm. Like Pulp Fiction is cool. Forrest Gump is like mainstream. Yep. And then you have Shawshank Redemption, which was like considered the disappointment at the time yeah. in terms of box office. Yeah. But is like, I would consider maybe the most rewatchable in terms of like it's always on TV, mm. and every time it's on TV, someone's you know you, you end up just watching it. So. Those are the three, and they're all different types of movies, right? One's a prison movie, one's a coming-of-age through history movie, and then Pulp Fiction is just this crime fucking thriller with, like, crazy dialogue. Yeah, no, good setup. Let's start uh, in reverse order there. Let's start with Shawshank. It was... Oh, we're starting in reverse. Okay. It was a box office dud. It cost... Well, let's see. Let's just... Yeah. Uh, did you see any of these in the, in the theater? Oh, yeah. You guys should talk about your time so Forrest Gump, I believe I saw in the theater. Pulp Fiction, I damn sure saw in the theater. That was a fucking event movie of the time. And Shawshank, like we were just talking about box office dud, but had huge 
video. I think I saw that on video. Yeah, it's huge video rentals later. Shawshank was the movie that nobody caught on to until way later. It when was, it, got a, on it was one of those things that kind of just snuck by that no one. Um, it was. I mean, it had pedigree because it had Stephen King right. attached to it, but like for some reason, it wasn't on anyone's radar. And Anthony, what you said, it was on TV all the time. This was one of the ways this movie became like a, a favorite and 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 got to be seen as like a great movie. Because nobody saw it in the theater. The name's a little confusing, you know, I guess. Maybe the, the marketing wasn't the, I mean, the best. I don't know. Yeah, well, what was the... I, I love the title. I just... It, I mean, but that's me. But, like, I think the biggest hit, obviously... I mean, you have Zemeckis, who did Back to the Future. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's a huge franchise. Yeah. So, like, his name being on it, and he's associated with Spielberg. And Tom Hanks. Uh, you got. Uh, yeah, Tom Hanks is like, everybody loves Tom Hanks. Yeah. He was a huge bona fide star. Yeah. Um, he had just won the Oscar, I believe, for Best Actor of the Year before in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, there was like, it, this was like a swish. It was a, you know, perfect three point swish into the basket, yeah. and, you know, nothing but net. For this, like, everybody watches movie. Little kids. Grown-ups, everybody fucking loved this movie. It's a crowd pleaser. So it was like the home run out of the gate. So it had the recipe for like success. There's no way that this movie wasn't at least going to be a financial success. It made the most money out of the three. It had 13 Oscar nominations, which was the most in 28 years of the Oscars for a movie. Uh, to have 13, the others had seven apiece. I which, guess we're talking one? about Forrest Gump now. Oh, should we do Forrest or Shawshank? Rugs jumped to Forrest Gump, so. We could do Forrest. Well, yeah. I'm just talking about which one is the most, which one is the is the biggest success. We, we could talk about Forrest. So in terms yeah. of money, like, it, it, it grossed $660 million, but it is. It also, yeah. well, I'll say in terms of biggest, it, could, it can be debated with some characters in Pulp Fiction, but I. Forrest Gump is probably out of these three movies the most iconic, one of the most iconic characters ever. Ingrained right? in pop like, culture, oh yeah. Forever. Anytime, sure. yeah. anytime anyone starts running, yeah. run, even to this Forrest. day, run Forrest, yeah. run, yeah, right. Like that, that's a, that's a thing even to this day. And the box of chocolates box line of chocolates, is always yeah. is always pulled up. I mean, it, this is, but it is kind of a uh, your old Hollywood big budget traditional made to please crowd it's movie. It's an epic. It's an epic, but it is also a great movie. Tom Hanks disappears in this role. This is the movie that kind of took him out of being the com- just the comedic guy in movies. So, you know, he goes on, he does Castaway. You watch that, it's fucking amazing. He's the only guy right. on the screen the whole movie. He doesn't even talk for a lot of it, and he's so compelling. He had to play this character just in, like, a certain way. If you would have played it too yeah. one way, yep. it would have been insulting. Yeah. And if he would have wanted too safe it wouldn't have been good enough so he had to try and find this character and i think that's a pretty big challenge for an actor to really find that create this character for forrest gump for me out of these three movies even to the, like as i grew older when i was a kid i, I liked it because it's a simple guy right so it's easy to even enjoy as a kid but when growing up and watching it revisiting it as when you were older this movie is the one that makes me like super emotional yeah. by the end yeah. where like he finds out when the first scene when he finds out he has a kid yeah. and the and the and the jenny's like his daddy's named forrest and and or his, his name's forrest like his daddy and forrest goes he got a daddy named forrest too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but he like finds out he has a kid and he's like is he like me and he's not and then jenny dies and he's talking in the grave it's like oh my god like the the emotional journey with going through this with Forrest Gump and Ruggs is absolutely. I was going to say that before Ruggs said it. Um, is that he he played it like there was no middle like no middle 
there, you could have played it either way, but he hit it like perfect, just pitch perfect. on the line. No, that yeah. moment where he asks, "Is he like me?" Like that still gets me every time. I mean, there. Let's see, like the broad themes of the movie, what it's trying to do. It's basically like an odyssey uh, of of his life, and it's actually like a dual odyssey. It's like him and Jenny's lives yeah. mm-hmm. kind of unraveling. He's kind of like this lucky guy, I guess, or he's yeah. this guy who kind of like. Um, always ends up on the right side of everything. And then Jen's kind of like on the scraping the bottom of everything and just kind of like hitting every fucking terrible cliche you can, even though she's like brilliant and he's just dumb as rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So on the one hand, you have this dumb as rocks guy just stumbling through life and, and meeting celebrities. And the movie kind of dismisses the counterculture of the time, the hippies that was represented by Jenny saying, ah, these, these guys, they never, and uh, uh, it's just interesting thinking about it now, how it's like a celebration of boomer culture, all everything the baby boomers went through. And it's a little whitewashed, but it's whitewashed American history, patriotism, but that's why it plays so well. But uh, th- as far as the positives in this movie is that you have amazing cinematography, the acting's great. It is nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It it has like you know the music. It has everything. It has all of those things. It has your um your hero is like this underdog. Yep. It has all of these great things going for it, and it's memorable. And it's a coming of age film. Like he grows up in this movie, and you see him kind of become a man. So all of those things are great, and you know he ends up uh, becoming a rich man, and you know he he gets some fortune. So it is great to see something like where you think the odds are stacked against this guy, even when terrible things are happening, like his outlook being simple, kind of like lessens the blow. Right. Because, and I, I always apply that to my life because I always think, okay, I'm a dumb person. Maybe I should be happier. Hmm. You know, like his ignorance you know, is bliss. Is this yeah, but like, yeah, but I mean, I, I, and uh, I have experience of people that I grew up with that I always thought were kind of simple and they seem to be uh, having great lives. Like fine. They're, they're, they're doing just fine and they're happy. So, so listen, it's so, like, so the one critical thing I will say, I wish Forrest had a little more agency in the stuff that was happening. Cause everything is kind of accidental. Yeah. It just happens to him. He doesn't really do like, anything. Somebody tells him to do something. He just he does just it. Follows along. He follows well, orders and things happen. I would say yeah, he doesn't have like agency, but he knows right from wrong, right? So like the scene with Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan, Le- Lieutenant Dan wants to die in the war, yeah. but Forrest is like, no, yeah. like you're alive. Yeah. I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna save as many people as possible. So like I would argue he does have agency. It's just for him, his agency is it's very black and white. It's either right or it's wrong. I just he never sees like Jenny's point of view, and she's you know with trying to fight against the man and. Uh, with all the hippies. Well, because he thinks he's wrong. Because, yeah, yeah. Or he doesn't understand. It's <laughs> no. not something that he concerns. He doesn't concern himself no, with no. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. His his main concern is being a good person and doing the right thing. Yeah. So I rewatched the other two movies. I didn't get a chance to watch this one. I want to know, Anthony, have you seen it recently? Do the special effects hold up? Because they're, they're pretty great from what I remember. Surprisingly, pretty well, yeah. Oh, really? Because a oh, lot no. of the effects are winning the, like on a TV screen. Go ahead, Oh, right? yeah. That's the one thing I think is the weak point yeah. is because that ages the movie uh, considerably yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that they're bad. They're not. They're amazing for their time. Yeah. 
There's some scenes where they did some like compositing that's just amazing. Yeah. Putting Forrest into those scenes, Lieutenant Dan's legs, yeah. like oh, some fucking amazing shit. That was shit. great, yes. Uh, but the stuff where they're fucking around with the presidents and making them talk. It looks a little wonky. <laughs> I mean, it's too, it's cute yeah. too. Yeah. Like, you know, that he's in, he's in all those things anyway. I mean, so I think, think that's a little bit, that's a little bit of a hokey thing that they did there. That I, it's forgivable. Yeah. But it is one of those things that I, when I watch it, I, go, ah. I, I feel like Forrest Gump is the one, like, if we talk about these three, like, at, at this time, people will probably rank it last out of the three. Yeah. Just because it's fun to be like, you know, like Pulp Fiction's cool. Shawshank Redemption's a great movie. Forrest Gump had everything going for it with budget and all the stuff we talked about. But Forrest Gump is still really fucking good. Well, you movie. can't, you can't not like this movie. Yeah. There's no way. If you're putting them in order and you put this one last in the order of three, yeah. great movies. Yeah. That's not a bad no, thing. I Mm-mm. think that, and I kind of feel like that's where it belongs. Like, it's like the Olympics. You you fucking beat everybody. Right. You get a bronze. Everybody thinks that you suck. Right, you're but, the, you know, you're actually better than all those other assholes. Third, third best is still best. Fun fact, Bill Murray, John Travolta, and Chevy Chase turned down the role of Forrest Gump. Travolta said that that was a big mistake, but then I he got the Pulp Fiction role that helped bring back his career. Forrest Gump. Also, by the way, we we I think I mentioned earlier, but this is the one that won. It won best picture as well as best director, best actor, best editing, special effects. I'm not really mad at that. No, it's I think it still holds up. It is the it is the most Oscar baby of all of them, though. At the same time, right? But but it's but still, it's done. I mean, it's done almost pitch perfect. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't get, if you don't get emotional by the end of that movie, I, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, everyone loves fucking Forrest. Uh, okay. Uh, well, let's move on to the next one. Where do you want to go? Back to let's go Shawshank. Back to Shawshank. I was trying to start written and directed by Frank <laughs> Darabont. And like Rug said, based on Stephen King's short story that was called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, uh, this thing's highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes, 90%. 8.18. This is the number one, by the way. So yeah. Shawshank is the number one rated movie by users on IMDb. Holy shit. Oh, I mean, shit. I really think it's a perfect film. In like in in the way of filmmaking. Everything that happens in this film kind of fits the narrative. Everything that everything that's done fits perfectly. Yeah. Like the 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 period piece. Yes. Everything. It is a great period prison piece that had seven Oscar nominations. A lot of these films were up for the same uh uh nominations and i don't did it win any it didn't win any <laughs> it was snubbed for best picture best actor for morgan freeman adapted screenplay cinematography all the other ones it is the most depressing out of the three but i do agree anthony you said earlier i think this one has the most uh the best message well i would of, say i would argue it, it is depressing yeah. but the overall theme is hope it is it's but, hope and love and friendship Right, so I think it. That's why I I would consider it the most rewatchable yeah. because the ending is so, it's so hopeful. <laughs> I, I mean, it's yeah. it's hope in like one of the darkest places you can have. And I watched a, a video essay and and I, I agreed with it in that like prison before this and even like after has been built up. This is like hyper masculine yeah, place yep. with like the hardest of hard people. Yep. And yet this movie kind of subverts that and has like 
just normal guys yeah. that just happen to do a really bad thing, but they're just normal dudes living their life in a really fucking dreary place. I mean, so many great layers of things happening in this movie. Like the period piece uh, is great. They nail the look of it, the slice of life in prison. Uh, one of the things I always come away with this movie is like you don't realize these lifers when they spend 20, 30, 40 years – they really don't want to leave prison because they don't know the world outside. It has changed. It's scary. And you want to talk about crying at Forrest Gump? This is what you would call a fucking guy cry movie. Oh, shit. Right wow. here. Because in the middle, when Brooks fucking leaves and hangs himself, that gets me every time. And then the very end, after the escape, and, and when Red finally gets out and makes it and meets fucking Andy Dufresne on the beach – like you can't help but break down like it's there's so many great emotional beats in this yeah i mean i'll I'll agree the brooks the stuff with brooks in the in the supermarket and he just can't hang like keep up bagging the stuff it just is super depressing you're just like oh my god the world is changed out here fellas well morgan freeman's talking about institutionalized when he he tells the the crow to fly away i got choked up yeah he's like i can't care for you anymore after when he's about to get let out of prison and I was like, oh, that's the fucking little bird that he fucking fed with the little worm that he found in his food. Yeah, and shit. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and now he's got a, uh, he's, he's, and then he was writing that letter. He's like, I hope that sometimes I wish that the bird would come visit me. Yeah. And it's just really sad. It's really sad. But that is um, Stephen King, his, like, Stand By Me has the same kind of narration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in most movies, narration is dog shit. But when you use it correctly and you use it to the best of you, uh, uh, of like how the writer of the of the book intended, and you it, got Morgan fucking Freeman narrating, right? <laughs> then you, the it can be part. magical yeah. because like some books are meant are, are are meant to be narrated, right? Some of them have like a, that strong voice, and if you're gonna adapt a book and you delete that strong voice, then you're doing something wrong. And I think that it was very smart for Darabont to keep that narrative voice throughout the film and whoever made stand by me did that made that same choice. And I think that that film is strong because of that. So you really feel like uh, what, I mean, these, these prisoners are speaking in such poetic, like beautiful, like things that they're saying and, and these profound things that are, are being said that actually living, Stephen King busy dying. writing this. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's so good. You know, what's what's really good about this movie and every time i watch it i'm just reminded is especially when i'm thinking about these other two movies is these other two movies have more iconic leads but every time i watch tim robbins as andy dufresne so, so unassuming he's so good like, the guy is so fucking smart i mean he's it's written so well he's brave he's smart he's, he's loyal yeah, he's brave in his own way yeah yes. exactly. he's loyal he's thoughtful he gets the yeah. beers for the guys if you compare it's like it's kind of fun to compare forrest uh versus andy dufresne in terms of your lead protagonist. Yes, Forrest has staying power. He is iconic. But Tim Robbins is uh he doesn't put on an accent. He like you said, he's unassuming, nails this role. You can root for both of these characters, and you do throughout the whole movie. But uh, to me, I think Dufresne comes out on top because of the reveal of the jailbreak, which is another thing this movie does great. It's yeah. a great jailbreak movie. That's hard to do. That whole sequence. Is, it's like a it's a great twist it's ending. Thrilling, yes. Would I want to ask you guys? Would you crawl through five hundred yards <laughs> of shit for freedom after digging a hole for I nineteen years? Would, I, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make I, it. I, I, I would. I would break down. I would puke I, everything I, I would, out. Yes. I would just no from the just 
not even being the puke it, and the shit, it'd be the claustrophobia. Oh, yeah. Trying to yeah. get through and no, not I knowing mean, when you're coming out. That scene where they're shooting him and he's like crawling yeah, through and yeah. he throws up. Yes. And you're just like, fuck. That, exactly. The claustrophobia and yeah. then you're in shit. Yes. And he, just yards. the smell. Like, imagine the foul stench that he's like, it's butt. This is. Hey, man. The, he was getting raped at the ass for like years. Yeah. He wanted, And then now he was getting ground down by the fucking the warden. That was the fucking, fucking warden he, was so. They took good. away. They killed his friend. Yeah. yeah. They took away his fucking freedom. They, yeah. He was the only fucking innocent guy in that prison. Yeah. 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 What a, a beautiful story, and and it does. It tugs at. I mean, like, look. It, are they using? Is he? Is is Stephen King using writing tools and and conventions? Yeah, but he's using them brilliantly. Yeah. And he's positioning all these pieces on the chessboard. And, and 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 at the end, it's just the the finale is beautiful. I love, yeah. They get away with it. They get to live their life. Uh, the warden was so good and evil. I fucking hated that guy so much. Oh, that that warden when oh, he's shit. like to him, when he's like to him, I'll cast you down with the sodomites. <laughs> You'll feel like you've been fucked by a train. Oh, oh, like, shit. oh my god, what a piece but, of shit! Drug boy brought up a great point. It's it's like Stephen King and then Frank Darabont and the writers really were playing chess the whole yeah, time because they yeah. set these pieces up and you don't realize yep, till the end. Yep. How brilliantly he's he's schemed this movie to like make the escape feel like oh my god he's had this plan since the beginning the whole, this yeah. is brilliant yeah for nineteen years that is another great thing I love seeing him change in the prison and become kind of the mentor and everybody loved him and he's helping people out uh, and uh, the library the library yeah and, the library dedicated great. to Brooks oh and then god. the switch of the shoes and the warden's book at the end and all the him throwing the rock through the Rita Hayworth poster like and then. It, when he gets out in the rain and he just has his arms up and it's a down shot. Fuck. Oh, shit. Baptized, rebaptized as a, as a free man. Wow. Yeah. wow. Oh, what? Like you breathe the relief. You're like, fuck. Yes. For this guy. Good for him. And then you have to see red kind of go through missing him. How much you when they felt. kill the fat guy in the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. The fish. Yes. Fresh fish. Yeah. Fresh fish. Fuck. And they just beat the guy to death. Yeah. It is like it is. It is a perfectly done movie it really is so i mean um, it does paint cops as evil and like these guys as the protagonists i don't know was there were you mentioning something like that this is some of the criticism the film got that it, at the time at yeah the time. That people weren't ready for yeah. a film where the prisoners are the good guys yeah but it's about friendship and tough times i right? wish the only thing that i wish i would have known that was the big mystery is what did red do yeah you don't find out what, i think they, they oh, might i think they there. might have oh I think he mentions it later. I forget. I'd have to rewatch it. I just watched it. I, oh, okay. I was looking for that. I couldn't. I, maybe I missed it too. But like, I mean, I've seen it so many times, and I've never gotten. Uh, I've never figured out what he did. Everyone's innocent there. Yes, don't you know? Everybody's innocent <laughs> when know? they come in here. What you in for? Didn't do it. <laughs> so good. Uh, all right. Well, then that takes us to Pulp Fiction. The coolest movie. The coolest. The tour de force. The event. The movie that was just so artistic and unique and visionary and different that announced that these independent directors are here and they had a good run for a while. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Oh, shit. <laughs> he did help promote this. So Pulp Fiction made for $8 million, made $213 million worldwide. Oh, shit. Making it like a bigger hit than everything if you talk about think- that profit. I think five million was just to pay the actors. Probably. Uh, so written uh, w- with Quentin Tarantino, with Roger Avery, directed by Quentin Tarantino, 
comes up with seven nominations. Uh, best Picture, of course. Best Actor for Travolta. Best Supporting Actor for Sam Jackson. Best Director, Supporting Actress for Uma. An Original Screenplay. And only one Best Original Screenplay. But this is a movie I'm surprised that the Oscars even uh, dignified with an award. It had been winning all the festivals up to now. So I guess they couldn't ignore it. Because this is like the polar opposite of Forrest Gump. Something you didn't think that they would recognize, a gritty crime film. Well, this is an ode to the exploitation film. Yeah, yeah. This was like a Quentin Tarantino basically calls out a bunch of exploitation films and Fellini films and like all French films, like just really like avant-garde or like off the beaten path or just like cult things and uh, really niche things that maybe the Oscars don't really like to fuck with. So, um it was never meant to be even near the Oscars. No. So, Anthony, I did listen to your review of Pulp Fiction. Oh, thank you. And I get where you were coming from. You said you did like it, but didn't completely blow you away. And I, the, the, the reason is you have to understand 1994. At the time this was coming out, Quentin was up and coming director. He had gotten a lot of buzz from True Romance. He got a lot of buzz from Reservoir Dogs in the two years coming uh, we had never seen a bunch of things that this movie does. The fact that it was quirky, mundane dialogue that, and it was just cool, the pattern, the rhythms of the dialogue and that, that Quentin would, uh, you would focus on dialogue over the I action. Mean, I see, we see a little bit of this in Iron Man. 1. Yes. You see this in a lot of movies influential yeah. since then. Uh, John Travolta at the time. When he was in this, you're like, wait a minute, the fucking guy from Staying Alive with Dances Disco? You mean uh, the dude from Welcome Back, Cotter? He was had not done anything, had no career. For Quentin to put him in, make him so cool, and even be so meta as to have him do the twist with Uma Thurman to kind of like comment on the fact that he's the fucking Staying Alive guy. Fucking brilliant. Huge movie for Sam Jackson. Changes him forever. Super quotable. And then the biggest English motherfucker. Do you speak do it? You speak it. What ain't no country I ever heard of. Uh, and then the biggest thing when you see this now all the time, this nonlinear storyline where the first time you saw it, you were like, wait a minute. What the fuck is going on? What? When did this happen? What order is this? And then the way the middle, the end of the movie is in the middle and it ends kind of with the second half of the beginning. Oh, fucking so well set up and assembled. And written, and then you got. I'm I'm, I'm not going to debate you. I think it's a really good film too. I, I I'm I, this is a this is a praising of these three movies. So I'm not going to debate you. I think the dialogue is really good in terms of especially they're talking about stuff. What makes it really good is they're talking about stuff that like maybe not me and you, Imran, because I'm not your friend. But maybe, <laughs> like other friends that I would have, maybe we would talk about these things yeah. while we're driving yeah. a car yeah. or like going to hang out or meeting someone up. But they're do they're talking about these things. In the midst of like about to commit some sort about of about some violent right? crimes, yeah. I mean, right. great. You know the the scene about the you Amsterdam and what what they call a burger there. You dig it the most. That's fucking iconic. Five dollar well, milkshake. Everything. I've had conversations yeah. with my buddies where it's like, is that kind of like, would that be like cheating? You know, where they're talking about um, <laughs> the, the, the massages, the foot, massage. the foot massages. Yeah. You know, we've ha- I've had similar conversations where it's like, is that considered cheating? Would that would you beat? That guy's ass if he did that. Like those are things that anyone will like talk about. He's like, not the way I give a foot, foot massage. <laughs> like, you think he threw well, a like, for a foot massage? That's one of the things that I love about this film is that it doesn't like in most movies, 
the dialogue is simply to drive the plot, yeah. right? Yes. So you ex have exposition. Yep. You find out blah blah blah, but you find out about these characters not because because they're having a conversation yeah. that seems to be organic. Yeah. I mean, it's, is it a natural conversation? No. Obviously, this is like this is like a, a dream that Quentin Tarantino. He this is what he wants to talk yeah. about. This is what he wants. This is the dialogue that he wants to show, and be, it, it tells you a little bit about the characters without actually telling you anything about them. And you kind of feel like, you know, Vincent Vega yep, after yep, this movie, yeah. you feel like, you know, uh, Jules after yep. this movie, you feel like you, you, you know, uh, Marcellus Butch Wallace and, a little yeah, bit. And Butch and Marcellus. Absolutely. Same thing. He does in reservoir dogs with the, you know, the opening montage of them talking about Madonna, Madonna movies. And she sucks so many dick, 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 dick. <laughs> How many dicks is that? A lot. Uh, a lot. And then the Bruce Willis scene, the Christopher Walken monologue with the watch oh my God. up his ass. Oh, my God. Some of the best fucking shit. That, that's so funny because I didn't know yeah, where that it was, that was in there. I know. I didn't know that that move that was in there, oh. nor where it was going. Yeah. So I was just like, what is he talking? Oh, my God. This is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and, then, and then the fact that he ties that in and this is why he has to go back yes, and get this fucking watch. This guy, it's been up his dad and Christopher Walken's ass. For years or months or whatever the time Dude, period was, that whole the first, I remember watching that whole the tracking shot through the field through the the fence. It was the most tense shit uh, when he's back in his house and you think he's okay. Vincent Vega takes a shit at least three times in this <laughs> yes, movie, well, and every yes, time he takes a shit, happens, something bad happens. It's like even in the in the cafe, he's like, "I'm gonna take a shit. I'll be right back." You know, I mean, the movie's just so quirky like they, they're uh, butch is fighting with marcellus yeah. they end up in a like a yeah. a thrift shop yeah it ends up being these like gay <laughs> yes. southern redneck. rapists yeah it's just a front rednecks. for redneck rapists with, with like one guy in a gimp suit Bring and they have the to like gimp. tie him up it's, it's just i've i've seen like similar stuff but even to this day i'm like that's a very strange fucking movie i mean like but everything is so calculated like when bruce willis escapes right and he goes and he picks up the hammer like it's calling back to like Friday the 13th. Yeah. And then he picks up the, the, yeah. he picks up the baseball bat. That's the like walking tall. He picks up the, the, the uh, chainsaw, right? At one the point? Chainsaw. Yeah. That's the, the, oh, the Texas wow. Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And then finally, you know, his favorite thing your samurai things to Shira Mifune. So he gets the fucking samurai fucking Dude, sword. Bruce Willis with a fucking samurai sword. So just in that one scene, Forget he takes it. you through yeah. all the things he loves. And we, we got to mention the fucking soundtrack. I wore this shit. Oh, yeah. Another great job. Of you know, James Gunn picks great B sides, but Quentin was doing it way before. You know, unlike the Forrest Gump soundtrack that had kind of like mainstream hits throughout the decades, these are like obscure B sides of 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 songs from artists that he loved and then I loved. And look, you love Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn. How you learn about James Gunn, what he likes through his music. That's Tarantino was doing that. There wouldn't be that in Guardians of the Galaxy if there wasn't this. Like where he 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 curates this fucking soundtrack out of all of these different things that he loves and different and they all mean th- yeah. different things. Yeah. And they fit and the scenes great also. Right. I mean he had different songs. I think he had My Sharona for the butt rape scene. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. And and they he couldn't get that because reality bites was using. Oh, that. that's right. I, that came out that year too. That's right. Yeah. So uh but like like all of his choices are deliberate. I mean, that like, Dick Dale song was huge because of that. Well, what Tarantino, what I've noticed is what he's really good at is he takes things he loves, right? He takes like 
this nonlinear storytelling, which for the time is very revolutionary. He takes like all these different plot elements that are like, well, I don't know about that. He puts like a scene where it's like in an old school restaurant. So he's taking like old school movies and just putting it as a restaurant. Yeah. So he takes all these things and it's like, these all probably wouldn't fit together, yet he makes it work. I mean, the opening diner scene where they're just talking about, you know, nobody nobody robs restaurants. <laughs> it's well, that- that that's genius right off yeah, the, right off the yeah. bat they're like well, they start off the movie and he goes impossible can't do it yeah so right off the bat you're like what are they talking yeah. about well i want to see what the, what is going to be impossible what are we like right away that hook even though like that's just a part of a conversation yeah. immediately you're like hmm i want to see them try to this impossible thing i mean thing to 18 year old the nerd when i saw this i immediately i wanted to write crime movies like this with this <laughs> like we me like, and my buddies were like let's just fucking write script ideas and make shit like this I just remember being in the theater and I turned to whoever I was with and I was like, they're fucking quoting the Bible in this movie. (laughs) And it's an amazing scene. And it's the whole entire impetus for this character. By the end of the movie, he becomes the shepherd. Okay. Like it's just fucking mind boggling. Like maybe I just hit the fucking (laughs) microphone. That's going to bruise later. It's just mind boggling how like, it's everything but and nothing at the same time. It's like Seinfeld. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a show about nothing. Yeah. It's really this movie is about nothing. Yeah, really. But it's yeah. but there's so much it's so rich with things. It's packed with shit. That's a good point. I I like that I like that uh Like that I mean what really happens in this movie? Nothing really. What, nothing. I mean I mean, okay, let's 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 do it in, in chronological order. They uh Vincent Vega and Jules go to get a briefcase. Right, they gotta bring a briefcase to Marcel. Deal goes sour, yeah. they kill a couple guys, yeah. they by accident kill a guy in the that car. That shit is hilarious. All right. <laughs> Marvin. Have to go- take a detour to get the car clean. Yeah. And then they show up at, uh they show up at Marcellus' strip club over there at the same time that Bruce Willis is now getting the payoff to take the fall for the fight, which he doesn't. Doesn't throw the fight. And then that, and then that same night, Vincent Vega takes Uma Thurman out. Yes, they go to Jack and Rabbit Sims. She ODs. He's got to get her. <laughs> That's uh, fucking great. To fucking not die. That. Yes. Then the next day, he rolls up with Marcellus Wallace. They don't. They don't talk about what happened last yeah. night. And then they go to Bruce Willis's place to stake it out to make sure if he comes back that they could kick his ass because he fucking soured on the deal. Yeah. And then he goes out to get donuts. And Bruce Willis and some Bruce Willis him. just happens to catch him while crossing he the killed, street with donuts. Bruce Willis has the highest body count yeah, he in the kills movie. All those dudes in the in the store. And the last shot of the movie is Bruce Willis and his his French girlfriend taking off on the bike. Well, that's the last shot of the well, story. You, but you guys, you guys forgot to mention the diner. Yeah, the diner. The meat, but also that's before the, a, yeah. a little reference. So this movie, the movie's super crazy. Like. It, all this stuff is crazy, but it's like it's real, right? Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yet in this briefcase is this like glowing orb yes, that's like from Indiana thing. Jones, yeah. <laughs> which is just like I, there, no one ever talks about what's really in the briefcase, and it doesn't seem like it's from like another universe. The way they I react, mean, it to doesn't it. matter. But I remember having that's, long debates. That's about his commentary on MacGuffin. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What did you think was? It in doesn't there? matter what it is. Yeah. It's just like it's just the MacGuffin, like and and it's not even central to the plot. Yeah, of MacGuffin. No. Yeah, it's crazy. No. Anthony, what did you think that was? I remember debating this for hours every night. So you want to know what I thought it yeah. was? Like Rugboy said, it didn't matter to the story, right. so I didn't even care about it. Right. I just looked at it. I was like, oh, there's something in the briefcase yeah. that glows, and I, it. 
I didn't even think about it the rest of the movie. Until it comes it up later. It doesn't matter. No. They, he doesn't give a fuck. They, yeah. The movie doesn't rest on what's in the It's briefing. the MacGuffin set to drive these characters to do things. I always thought... But it doesn't really... No. It doesn't really... Does what is in the box even matter? I thought it was like, like gold. Okay, so let's, 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 let's play this out. Yeah. Let's say there's not, they don't have this briefcase. Yeah. The same shit happens. Yeah, but then... It, yeah. It's, it's completely irrelevant to the rest of the movie. Let's, so let's say they go to Brett... And Brett doesn't have the suitcase. Fucking Jules still has to cap everyone's ass. Yeah, because they get shot at. He's still he's still gonna get shot at, and then the miracle's gonna happen. Yeah. That's gonna fucking change yeah. the whole course. So the that MacGuffin is completely irrelevant. Don't you fucking Jimmy me, and Jules? That and that is actually like genius because in every movie the MacGuffin is so relevant because it drives the plot. It doesn't matter. And in this movie yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. So it it, it defies a, all these conventions. Yes, it does. And that's the genius of it. And I don't think I'm trying to figure out like he must have not even known he was doing this. Like it must be doing like it must be like something that just divinely came to him and Roger Avery when they wrote the script because it's just crazy. It's just the thing. It doesn't matter what's in it. That they did this on purpose and they thought about it that much. It was it's crazy. I think this film like Pulp Fiction. I mean, like Forrest Gump is a crowd pleaser as well. It's just a different crowd entirely force i mean pulp fiction is the is the as i've mentioned a few times is like the epitome of a cool movie yeah like anybody who's a like cinephile or like anyone that's into movies brings up pulp fiction right like if you don't if you're not if you don't like pulp fiction then like oh what do you know about movies you don't know shit like you're a fucking well a lot a lot of people get hung up on like you know uh, Quentin Tarantino's dialogue and how he uses a lot of racial epithets and this and yeah. that, whatever, yeah. to his characters. But these are all shitty people. Absolutely, they're not. Yeah. They're not supposed to be good people. Like they're all terrible people. Uh, they're not. They're not going to be thinking about what's politically correct or what's whatever. The fact that these two are up against each other is also fascinating because both movies, Pulp two? Fiction and Forrest Gump. Well, three. Well, three, three. But these two in particular, <laughs> they both kind of use pop culture as kind of a frame of reference in uh. different ways. Yeah, but you have here your classic like studio versus indie battle. You know, mainstream versus niche, uh, cute versus cult, like a big spectacle versus something stripped down. And I think now I feel like Pulp Fiction endures better uh, if you put those two up together. It's still influential. It's still hailed as influential. I mean, I think that are people still talking about Forrest Gump though? I it guess depends on the. It, it depends on how what setting you're putting this yeah. in. Right. Yeah. If you're sitting down with your family of generations, you can't put Pulp Fiction on unless you have the coolest family that ever lived. <laughs> right. Like, unless your parents are really cool, you're not putting, you're not, putting, you could put Shawshank on. Yeah. But I think the safest bet that everyone will come out with like, uh, w- with a good experience is going to be Forrest Gump. So that is the most, uh, I would say universal mass market appeal movie and uh you know it's going to be more timeless in a lot of ways i think that pulp fiction already is showing its age in certain ways as as i said with the language but it changed it influenced so many people it changed the landscape of movies for a while and what you could do i I would i would disagree with that i would disagree with part of that statement imran not the not about pulp fiction but the one you said earlier where i think pulp fiction's endured more yeah i think pulp fiction is like has changed the game more yeah and is has a more renowned director, a more more things you could quote. But taking myself as an example, yeah, 
as a ki- I, up until you know maybe twenty something years old, I didn't know Pulp Fiction existed. Yeah, Forrest Gump I knew existed as a kid. I've kn- I've always known Forrest Gump. Mm. And you you have a uh, Drake in what like five years ago yeah. quoting Forrest Gump. Oh, Run, Forrest, go Forrest. Uh, oh, he did. Like there, it's still something that people talk about. Yeah. Like, Forrest I, Gump. But I think Pulp Fiction is still something people talk about. I, they both talk. Yeah. I, but I'm saying it's I it's think, not that clear cut. Yeah, I think it's kind of like one of those things that um. Just in, in in the field of cinema, it's more important. I don't think it's in the field of pop culture as that's, that's a good point. Ah. All right, so like uh, in the in terms of 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 the film industry, in the in terms of um, nostalgia for things that were cult, and kind of lo- it, looking into like places that people don't usually look. I think that Quentin Tarantino has done a lot to bring a lot of things to light, like a lot of movies, a lot. He's his love for things actually makes the world a richer place. Cause you, you look at things that you wouldn't have seen before and whatever. And it's kind of crazy because he does it with all of this horrible language and, and saying these horrible things, but he, but he also like brings a lot of the raises, a lot of these people up, you know, uh, interest in all these things. Um, so I think in the terms of art, yeah, I think he's more important. Yeah, that, I mean it's more uh, than, artistic. Yes, than Forrest Gump. I think I think Forrest Gump is more of a, um, an icon, uh, in pop culture. I think it does matter how old you are when you watch these movies, because in Pulp Fiction you have Quentin Tarantino playing not only his own adolescence, but the viewer's adolescence. You know, it's almost kind of like that movie. That you know that that you get away with watching, or and watching the movie, it's like you're watching him get away with all this crazy shit. Like as a teenager movie director, which you know, and it was his like second, first big movie, second movie. You, so. you know what's interesting to me is that like, Forrest Gump is probably the bigger pop culture phenomenon, right? Yeah. In terms of like, everyone remembers it. Cinephiles and like importance, Pulp Fiction is probably the like more remembered one. Yeah. But. And maybe I'm leading, giving away my hand here. Uh-huh. Shawshank Redemption yeah. might be the best movie, <laughs> yet I don't think it's as like remembered in pop culture. Well, it's because it didn't have as big of a splash, right? And um, it didn't really initially go. What's one of those things that people have discovered on TV, right? So this mm-hmm. is that's where it's where it's kind of like taken root, and people have seen it over and over. You say it's on TV all the time. Yeah. It's probably on like yeah. you know fucking. The TBS or whatever TNT all the time or USA, it's probably on that in the weekend. Yep. So, um, it it did find its audience, and it is a great film, and, and great films will will be recognized. I mean, it is a great film. So, I think that, um, despite the odds, so like Quentin Tarantino, kind of, he had this the industry behind him. All right, Zemeckis had himself behind him in Hollywood, Hollywood machine yeah. behind, him, you know. <laughs> Like he was, he was part of the machine. Like he was one of the big heavy hitters. He had, you know, the the big trilogy that came out that was fucking it's mainstream Roger Hollywood. Rabbit. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, so he had all of this kind of like uh, you know, top of the line blue chip, you know, royalty going in. Um, and Shawshank was kind of like Frank Darabont was a respectable filmmaker, I guess. Uh, but uh, and Stephen King, which gave it some kind of clout, but ultimately. Um, not well received, didn't make a lot of money, but 
it just ended up Frank Darabont and Stephen King. They just had something. I mean, I think the name is part of the reason why it was didn't make a lot of money. Nobody saw it. But I think the testament to this movie is the fact that afterwards people discovered it. I just it. remember someone said, did you see Shawshank? Yeah. And I go, it's a prison movie. Why would I watch that? Yeah. It's a, and then they go, it's a Stephen King movie. You're like, oh. And I said, oh, is there a fucking ghost? In it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Who? And he, no, no, he's like, no, it's like Stand By Me. And I was like, oh, I love Stand By Me. He's like, it's Stand By Me in prison. And I was fucking, I was sold. And I went to go see it, and it, that's what it was. It was Stand By Me in Prison. And the movie is known by one word now. Like, all you have to say is Shawshank. You don't have to say the rest of it. Everybody knows what you're talking about. Get busy living. Or get yeah, busy look, <laughs> Stand By Me is a great friendship yeah, film, right? Yeah. It's a great film so about- So is this Shawshank. Yeah. Growing up yeah. and then and and figuring out and then and having to, like, also l- never see these people again. Yeah. And it's the same thing happens in Shawshank. He finds his family, and then he never sees them again. He goes, and he moves on. He transcends it. So it, it's crazy, and it has that narration, uh, and it's, it's got all the same elements. And uh, both of those movies, are some, are, I hold them in high regard as very well-made films that you know they do uh, invoke emotion from me. And um, so they're, all three of these movies are like, I could never, like, it's hard to choose... <laughs> Like one, I like the more than well, the other. I just think that some of them, like, it, like, what do you say about a movie that's perfectly done? Yeah. Like, what what can you say about a movie that is still remembered and still has a lot of uh, cachet to this day? Still holds up. Yeah. So, um, well, let's get to all it. Kind of do that. I want to know. You are now on the board of the Oscars. It's nineteen ninety five. We are voting. Well, I think for you two, I think it would be important if 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 it's any different. Yeah, how you felt about it then, how you would have ranked it then, and how you rank it now. If you could put yourself in that mindset Fuck. of eighteen to nineteen year old, because that I mean, as as people that I'm assuming watched movies, that's amazing that these three yeah. movies came oh, out and are considered well, three of the greatest movies of all time in one year. The thing is, is when I saw Pulp Fiction, I saw it in a New York theater. Yep. I was with a bunch of film students and like that whole f- theater was packed with people who knew their shit. Like, you know, and it was a standing ovation. It was people hooting and hollering. And there was, there was electricity in the air. When I saw Pulp Fiction, I saw Shawshank on like a 19 inch fucking CRT monitor. <laughs> <laughs> in someone's dorm remember room. those remember the tube tvs we, uh, on vhs i had pulp fiction posters it in was my a very room. different fe- very, very different feeling hmm. i so well, i i don't remember following the oscars because i was in college and i was getting high all the time so wasn't. well i don't think i don't think the oscars have I, I think the oscars just brought these together but i think these are just three great films that i'm like oh my god these came out in the same year yeah they are amazing and <laughs> I, and you know, I loved Pulp Fiction then, rewatching it now. I still really love this movie. It means a lot for me. But then rewatching Shawshank, like that movie, Shawshank probably packs the most weight, has the best message, and there's really nothing wrong with it. And then Forrest is a fun time, and I can see why they would give it to Forrest because of its pedigree, its crowd pleasing aspect. But I'm torn because on purely artistic merit, if you are giving a movie the best picture award on the fact that it's pushing boundaries, that it's artistic, that it's a visionary clearly goes to Pulp Fiction. But I can also argue Shawshank 
has such an amazing story and amazing characters and has a lot of those same themes that uh, that could also win. I think both of those movies shot probably should have got it over <laughs> Forrest Gump anyways. Okay. Wow. So what's yes. your ranking? Fuck. I'm going to go. Got you it. don't have to give them out of 10. They, just rank them one, two, three. It's close between Pulp Fiction and Shawshank, but I'm keeping Pulp Fiction one, Shawshank two, and then Forrest Gump three. In terms of like the like quiz show, I may that was I don't really remember quiz show. Nobody talks about that yet. I like I mean it's good, but it's just not as memorable. Yeah, it's not as memorable. I will put it in that order. Pulp fiction, Shawshank, Forrest Gump. Should I you want to go next or should I or rugs you want to go? I mean I mean you want I'll go. No, you you know what you close it, you're cooler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of thinking about all these like best picture things, and I just have to say that Picking the best movie every year when there's like greats around, it's an impossible. Got to be hard. <laughs> it's got to be hard. You, you, the way you just talked about, yeah. it, like the best picture. If you rank it by like artistic yeah, value yeah. and like how much it's changed the game yeah. and like how it's pushed the boundaries, but like, what's to say why is that the best reason? Yeah. Best yeah. picture. What yeah. about the most entertaining? What about the most emotional? Yep. What about the yep. best story? Yep. So like, there's no real way. Like it's so subjective when you get to like this level of film. Yeah. But for me, I'm going. I like to base my best picture rankings on how entertained and how emotional I felt about the film. Yeah. So in that sense, for me, Shawshank is number one. Okay. Yeah. It's just. I'm, it's just. I can see that. I think it's one of the best movies of all time. I mean, I can't argue um, that. Yeah. Number two is Forrest Gump. Oh fuck for off. <laughs> no, Forrest, Forrest Gump for me because of the amount of emotion I feel towards the end of that film with you know, the scene with his kid and then him talking to Jenny as she's has AIDS and she's in the grave. I mean, it's crafted to make you cry there. Yeah. It's, it's crafted to make you cry, but I don't think like, because it had all that buildup and everything, it's like, it's kind of hated on. I was like, it's crafted. I said, this is the, <laughs> like, the way they made it. it they, 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 they set you up. They did it, but they did it so well. Yeah, like yeah. you have such a great performance yeah, with Tom Hanks yeah. in that role yeah. that like, it just transcends everything. And then for me, three is Pulp Fiction. But not to say that I'm not entertained. Yeah. And I recognize the grace. I'm just not as emotionally moved as the other two films. All right. I like that. Okay. Rugs. I think that you think about a lot of different things when you're when you're doing this. And, I mean, all of these movies, um, of all the movies, um, the one that seems the most conventional, meaning that, like, if you have a great director yep. and a great script and great actors – then, then and you're and you're you're doing that um that would be Shawshank. Oh, you think right? Shawshank oh. is the most conventional? Wow. Yes. Wow. It is because oh, it's a it, I mean I thought you were going to say Forrest Gump. Shawshank is an adaptation of Stephen King's already good book. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. So the heavy lifting was already done by Stephen good King. Good point. Yeah. All yeah. right. Um yeah. now all okay. you had to do is get the right actors yep. To, yep. to make the performance and to get the right director to to kind of just guide you through that and and put the pieces in the right order that that were going and you know not the fucking he didn't blow it like there's so many directors that want to make a movie that where you like the sixth sense where you fucking at the end you're like holy shit oh the the twist you know and you don't see it coming I mean, you can after you've seen it. You now, you know, you could see the signs. But when I first saw it, I didn't see it, and it caught me by surprise. Could I have caught it now that I'm a, uh, you know, I've been watching movies for a long time? 
and a cinephile or whatever. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the hell that word means. But like, anyway, <laughs> a movie I feel, like it's, it's, I feel like I touch young kids while I watch the movie. This is going great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that's the most conventional. I feel okay. like they had uh, something to work with there, which was a great book. Yeah. Forrest Gump, I don't know if it was a book beforehand or whatever, but I think that there was a more Herculean task. Yeah of recreating the past and putting him in all these situations and having all of these things that it couldn't have not, it, it could have not worked. Like Tom Hanks could have fucking played it wrong. Yeah. And this whole movie would have been off the rails. Yeah. So I think, okay, the challenge is a little bit, a little bit worse, and a little bit harder. And, um, they rose to the occasion. I mean, if you don't have Hanks in that role, this movie doesn't work. I don't know anybody right. else that could do so it. I, I, so I'm going to put, Shawshank at the at, at I don't know I don't I'm, I don't know what order but then Pulp <laughs> Fiction, all right Pulp Fiction it basically comes along, and it's a challenge yeah for the person who watches yeah. it. All right, it's forcing the person to watch a movie in a way that they're not comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, it forces uh, dialogues and mundane conversation about bullshit that you may not want to hear. You're like, I want to be entertained, motherfucker. Yeah. Why are we talking about fucking hamburgers <laughs> and fucking? Can I taste your Sprite and Kahuna they Burger? They got the metric system. They don't know what a quarter pound yeah, is. Yeah. Why are we talking about fucking shit like this? Like, or, or you know, how am I supposed to piece this together? Like, what was this yesterday? Is this today? Yeah. When did this happen? Uh, so it's, and then you got you know where you take the MacGuffin and you make it meaningless and you 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 invoke some kind of bullshit like biblical bullshit in there. So it's like all of this stuff's in there and it's challenging to the viewer. And it's, it's also a, um, it, it, it's the director kind of spilling his soul out as you're watching it and you're getting to know this director, like in, in all these choices that he's making. And, and like, you know, he's, as I said, like that dance scene, that's from a Fellini film, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, that that's, there's things that, that he's taking that, are, that are, that he's kind of like doing homages to and, and, all of that stuff. So I feel like that that's special too. And that shouldn't have worked. That should not have even been near the Oscars, but it, 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 it made the biggest leap. I feel like that Pulp Fiction had the biggest mountain to climb. All right. It had no money. Yeah. It fucking had like washed up actors in it yes. that no one knew. The rebirth of John Travolta, but you had it, a lot of buzz on Quentin. It created, it created Samuel Jackson. Yep, 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 yep. All right, gave birth to this fuck, yep. fucking dude who's been a powerhouse for years. Yelling Jackson. Fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. So wh where are you ranking? What's your one, two, three? I'm going to say that because Pulp Fiction did all those things that I'm going to give it the edge. It's a really, really, it's a really nose to nose. Like, yes. so I'm going to go uh, Pulp Fiction. Forrest Gump and Shawshank, even though Whoa, you Shawshank got at two, holy shit! Even oh, because shit. And, I, and the only reason is because Shawshank had it is a perfect film, and that's fucking hard to do. Yeah. But it's a lot easier when you have a great story to build on, and they had that to adapt, which is a Stephen King written thing. And Stephen King is a master, uh, and he yeah. and 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 the only reason why. I know this is because they already did it with Stand By Me. They took one of his stories and made Stand By Me, and that was a great yeah. film. So I know that if they roll the dice with a good director on, on King, you're going to fucking hit. So, um, 
Yeah, that's how I nice. do it. Wow. That's shocking lineup. Anthony, uh, I have to mention the yeah. lessons that 18-year-old Imran learned from Pulp Fiction. There's, oh, no. There's several important lessons in this movie. Did you start snorting heroin? Well, first one was uh, that shows you how to... Don't snort it. <laughs> shows you how to shoot heroin is the first thing, right? Oh, shit. And kind of glamorizes it, which is crazy. But And then the second thing is that you learn... That you do not snort the same amount of heroin that you do when you're snorting cocaine. <laughs> Very dangerous. Those are two different things. You just want a little bit of the heroin for the lot of cocaine. And then the third thing, if you do do that, you just need an adrenaline shot straight to your heart. Get you right the fuck out of it. <laughs> Always have that ready. So this was like a fucking educational film for me as well. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> How to fucking. I, I just have to say, I was, I'm. Pleasantly surprised by Rug Boy's rank. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by the conversation, although I knew it was going to be good. I'm surprised by Rug Boy's rankings, but it all makes sense. It does make and, sense. Uh, I think if the listener enjoys the enjoys this, I can pick another year where maybe two or three great movies came out that were Oscar or even not even Oscar nominated, and we can do the same thing later on. I like that. So, yeah, that can be fun. Yeah. I think yeah. there's lots of years in the '90s where this happens. Just I mean. At the end of the day, it's a roll of the dice. Like any of these films should should be great. Yeah, right. They're great. Yeah. They're, they could be my number one tomorrow. Like, I love Shawshank. It's hard for me to put it at the bottom, but I'm like, but they had this book to go through. Yeah. yeah. They had the successful I, uh, author that they were using. I, and, so and I can't think reason. of a bad Stephen King movie that's been adapted, right? Well, uh, I'm sure that there is. There's always one that fuck gets fucked yeah. up. But, like, I mean, but for, mo- for the most part, they're all because yep. they work from good source yep, material. Yep, yep. You have at least that that could prop up a lot. I mean, that's. The heavy lifting's in the script, right? Yeah. No, and like you said, you so, know walking in, this is adapted off a of Stephen King book, so you know you know what level of quality, you know what you're getting into. I mean, I'm thinking of like it, yeah, misery, yeah. stand by me, all solid Shawshank films. Redemption. Yeah. All like adapted from his the work. Shining, all, like, yeah. the shi- even though the shining, shining changes. Harry, yeah, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shining. Yeah. Come on. He 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 cues it up for you. Yeah, he does. Like, he's pretty much just giving it to you. Just don't fuck it up. Is what he get to it? No, I love this. I love this discussion. That was a lot of fun, Anthony. Listener, let us know. You have other years, but I think the '90s, man. I could talk about '90s movies all the time. I'm just so happy that I grew up in that. Yeah, time. me too. Not only for movies, but for music too. Yep. Like, there's so much innovation going on. There's so much Dude. like, just like fucking. Uh, just upsetting the system and like doing new shit, dude. The and- early '90s for me was the uh, look, the best hip hop I ever heard. Fucking grunge music was amazing, and then these auteur crazy film directors making these crazy movies that you'd never seen, all happening at the same time. Anthony, it was a fucking dream time. I mean, look, we have a lot. What happened then is now part of like Taika Waititi. Yeah. Yeah. It's all part of like all these new directors sure. and like James Gunn and all these guys. They all kind of they've all been educated the same way. They're all our age. Yeah. Yeah. They probably we were fucking shooting huge ropes in the theater when they saw fucking <laughs> these things that we saw. Taika is my age, I guess, or is around my yeah, age yeah. and James Gunn's maybe a little bit older. So I could totally see that he was at that age. he might have been at he might have been in film school or or at the age where he was that might have rocked his world and, and actually warped his perspective. So, uh, and, and, you know, and, and maybe it's part of the DNA of what we love now. I mean, I also think Pulp Fiction had the most copycats immediately after. Remember all the movies that kind of came out in the later 90s that were kind of like Pulp Fiction? They were trying to do yeah. Pulp Fiction. Killing Zoe. Yeah, Killing Zoe. They were left and right. Everybody was jumping on this thing after. Things to do in Denver yep, when you're yep, dead. Yep. Oh, so well, I will say. 
my, a lot of the movies I've been watching are in the 2010s. Yeah. So 2000s. Yeah. There's some pretty good directors yeah. <laughs> around yeah. right now as well that I probably were influenced by a lot of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I mean, you got like Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. Wes Anderson, yeah. Noah yeah. Baumbach, uh, Bong Joon-ho, yeah. uh, fucking uh, Taika Waititi, Ryan Coogler. Yeah. There's a lot of really good... Uh, Iñárritu, Alfonso Cuarón. These are all like really good so directors. I feel like you know the the studio movies got big that went away, but I don't think it ever went away completely. And there's always I kind of wish that like some of it would come back, maybe. But the way things are now, the studio movies, no, the 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 auteur crazy independent movies, they're there. I mean, they're, still they're still there. there. They're still there. Yeah. They're just. I feel like I that. Mean, Pulp Fiction um, took over the zeitgeist of the fucking country. It was amazing. I feel like I'm going to try to explain this to Anthony. Is is like what happens is like. So quit. So Pulp Fiction comes out, and of course there were always auteur directors, but that all of a sudden put a spotlight going. Right. Oh, look at this cool motherfucker doing crazy shit, and then all of these people started watching those movies, and it 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 actually created a a environment that could fo- like foster these guys. So there will be blood was made because like there was this renewed. Like people would give those movies a chance that they wouldn't, they would never give them the chance before. They like you would literally have to go to an art house somewhere in the city that, and it would be a limited release. Yeah, like, people started releasing them more wide, and you could see them. They became more available, and also the whole thing about the video stores uh, and the DVD thing, like they would promote them more, yeah. mm. and it would be, it would be, it became more available. I think that um, it was a harder road to hoe back then. Sure, definitely. So, yeah, I would say uh, Imran, just for what it's worth, m- mo- what Pulp Fiction and all those auteur directors did yeah. is like now yeah. with all the Oscar stuff, yeah. all that gets nominated. It's much more rare to see a big budget studio film get nominated for a best <laughs> but, picture. You know, and that's a good an point. Right now, pe- it's right. auteur independent films yeah. or big studios funding like these smaller independent things and then it's funny because right. i'm like hypocritical because we're all like oh black panther got a nominated we should be more marvel movies getting best picture nominations which is kind of the opposite of what i just said i wanted <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i want it's actually well you don't see a ton of big studios get nominations yeah. for best picture big big well, i think that the way studios make movies now is a lot different than they made them absolutely a few so, years. Yeah. i think that i think that movie making has become very like risk averse. All right. Especially when you're spending, cause you're spending shitloads of money on, and that's one of the things it's like they're, they're spending like upwards of 200 million plus now on a movie. Whereas a movie used to cost maybe 30 million at the yeah. most. And that's a huge, like that's a huge multiplier right there. Yeah. How are you going to fucking get your money back? So they're, they're not taking risks anymore. Yeah. They're, they're trying to double down on stuff that they know is going to sell. And these auteur, these independent films are done with like shoestring budgets and they're usually the better film, right? You're watching these movies like Moonlight, you know, they, they actually, they, they engage you. They, they, they make you think about life yeah. and you don't really need a budget to do that a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool if we could kind of maybe bring the budgets down and bring the quality up and let them take some risks now. Well, if it'd be nice talking about these three directors now, I love the fact that out of all of them, Quentin Tarantino got into the mainstream and continued to do whatever the fuck he wanted 
and stayed relevant and 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 never and never wavered. He's got nine movies. He says he wants to retire with a tenth. Um, it'd be nice to see him do more. But the fact that he just still the whole time he's just done what he's wanted, made the movie that he wants to make, and it's been put out and been I mean, commercially I'd like to see successful. Him do more as well, but I mean, uh, there are things that he's done that are great. Yeah. So I mean, Kubrick has a like a few great films. He's got a few great Tarantino's got a few great films and you know, we got guys that are making movies now that have a few. So it's, you know, I'd rather have quality over quantity. It's all good. I have a lot on this topic, but <laughs> this isn't the time. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on to some news from the nation real quick. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. <laughs> Emptied out. Uh, so speaking of, we were talking about challenging movies. I found this graphic that I stole from somebody cool else's page, yeah, Facebook page, shared it to the nation. It's called 99 Mindfuck Movies. Oh, shit. Got a lot of great responses from the nation. Uh, I, I think I wanted to share this with all the listeners because – if you're looking, these are kind of movies that I love. I love mind fuck movies. And if you want a list of movies of maybe stuff you haven't seen, everybody seemed to love this list. They were counting how many they've seen. I think I've seen 45 out of all the movies, but it, I've seen a lot of these. Anthony, what do you think of this mind fuck list of movies? I think it's awesome. I, I looked at it and I shared it with a couple friends. I haven't seen that many. Yeah. I've probably yeah. seen around 10 to 12 of these. Yeah. Because mindfuck movies aren't necessarily my my go to, but uh, this is a good list of reference for sure. I mean, there was a time in my life that I was just into mindfuck movies. I would watch one after another, and yeah, I mean everything from Memento to Twelve Monkeys to uh, you know. I think in my there. older age, I stay away from mindfuck yes. films. When I was yeah. younger, I could stomach them a little yeah. bit more, but like sometimes I'm like, am I in the mood to be down? I want to. I don't want to like. I don't want to see fucking. A Requiem for a Dream ever again. You know, like, I don't want to see that movie again. There's just just some don't. of these movies where they're dead, you're just like, Whoa, what happened? What did I just watch? I fucking love the challenging aspect. What, The Prestige? That's a great fucking movie. Yeah, Memento's great. You should, everybody should it's watch it. It's got great that. time travel movies like Primer. Uh, a lot of these, I'm like, oh, shit, that was great. So Midsommar is a, is a relatively new that's one. That's a new one. I heard, yeah. I heard that's very good. That one I haven't seen. I got Get Out on I, here. I, I've been posting about the movies I watch and one of my friends texts him and goes you have to watch Midsommar it is fucking insane so I, I heard like, that okay. one is insane and Mother by Darren Aronofsky apparently hmm. also a crazy movie I have not seen that yet I'm gonna watch it we might have to have get you it. seen Midsommar Rugs? no no that doesn't interest Anthony me. have you know. seen the, on this list a clockwork orange a fucking classic right there oh, I saw that when I was a kid that movie, I, is that the one where the eyes yes. are like wide open yeah. yeah I haven't seen that you gotta watch that, that I mean if you're that's gonna Kubrick? be that's Stanley Kubrick yeah, you're gonna Kubrick be a cinephile film. this that'll fuck you this, up this along with uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a great set companion oh, let's let me just run down this list <laughs> yeah. see, let me just call out some ones that are that are so definitely the prestige. Uh, but Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I fucking love that movie. You could skip a lot of these. <laughs> Rosemary's Baby is good. Moon is good. That's David Bowie's son yeah. did that movie. That's an interesting fucking movie. Uh, Pie, obviously. Uh, I'm never going to watch Requiem for a Dream again. <laughs> 
Ex Machina is a good movie. I mean, you got The Matrix. You got uh, Vertigo's good. Uh, Usual Suspects. Yeah. That's a great one. Sixth Sense. Well, look for the um, listener. Ch- hap- you don't need to watch Happiness. No, don't watch okay. it. No, it's about a pedophile. Oh, and I okay. don't need to watch that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, uh, what else? Uh, Truman Show's good. Fight Club's good. Seven Inception, Vanilla Sky. All of those are great. You're gonna go through the whole list. I'll tell the listener the. No, no, I'm just is looking. In the show I'm just notes. looking. Definitely. Oh, for for what it's worth, it my, one of my friends texted me about in my movie watching. He says, "Don't watch 2001: A Space Odyssey if you're high. You will." <laughs> Feel really weird. You're gonna afterwards. lose your shit. That's a great trippy movie. That's a, that's a. Oh my god, that movie is takes forever. It's really long, but it's great. Speaking it's, of long movies, we're gonna move on because I have a comment. I want a reaction from Anthony here. Joe Henry, our lovely yeah. listener and patron, he gives us ten dollars a month, and he's done so for more in the year. So he gets to pick a second movie, and I asked him, "What's your second pick, Joe?" And he kind of crowdsourced the answer from the Facebook group, and we have a winner. Joe Henry says, I decided to go with Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. It's a great Is that the first one? It's the first one. It's a great film. Oh, yeah. That's the roughest one. It's to get pretty dirty, and I'm looking forward to making the jock watch a film he normally wouldn't watch and hearing his take on it. Plus, Return of the King won Best Picture, so he has to watch the other two first. So, Anthony, let me Wait, which one is the first one? Uh, the Fellowship, Fellowship of, the of the Ring. Anthony, this movie... In its regular version, three hours and 28 minutes long. Oh, fuck. They also suggested in the thread that we should watch the extended cut, which adds another 30 minutes. Oh, shit. It's a four-hour movie. Well, I would rather watch it as as it, as it, was it was intended. originally came out. Okay. Not because it's any longer. At this point, if you're doing three hours or three and a half, that's, that's, a, the, what, that's extra, a big fucking yeah. Well, difference. you're watching it, and you can take a piss break whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, right. you're not going to miss much. Um, Just think of it as watch an hour you know, every few you know, Lord of the Rings break. is not my my thing, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm glad he picked Lord of the Rings because all these other movies that were on his list, I've seen oh, other than s- Princess Bride. Okay. Oh, you haven't seen Princess Bride? F- Fifth Element yeah. is. I saw that as a kid and yeah. I liked it. So his top six were Fifth Element, Princess Bride, Shawshank Redemption, which we just talked about, Watchmen, which we've done, and V for Vendetta. It's a good one. Princess Bride is great. You got to watch that. I haven't seen. I've seen this first Lord of the Ring movie exactly once. I think. Oh, I seen it like maybe three. So this will be uh, interesting to revisit. That'll be coming up on our. I Patreon used to movie when, when this fucking when the fucking box set came yeah. out, we would watch it like on Thanksgiving or something. Like after dinner, we'd like throw it on, or like or like uh, when we were trying to kill time. Any at any point in time, we'd throw one of them on. <laughs> so I'm gonna say something that might really get listeners upset here because. If you didn't like my take on Kingsman, the Secret Service, Ooh, I don't know how this one's going to play out. Oh, Uh-oh. shit. Uh, you don't like Lord of the Rings. I Again, I'm going to give it another chance. I've only seen this movie once. You're not going to like it again. If you didn't like it the first time, you're not going to like it. I love time. the battles in all the movies. I don't remember anything else from the fucking movies. Look, I mean, it's... We're going to lose all of our fans right here because of this. <laughs> They all... It is br- it, look. It's brilliant and it, it's brilliant and crazy. But you have to understand that, like it's like the first one is cringy on purpose. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because okay, you have to understand like Peter Jackson setting up this like perfect little like farmland that's like so happy and glowy, and then he's gonna take you now to the depths of hell where like just fucking grim and fucking. Everybody's trying to kill you every two yeah, seconds. Yeah. 
So it's like he does that, but like it just all right, we get it. A like long we can move on now, but 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 he, you sit there for a while, a you know. Long build. Look, it may be another unpopular opinion, just like like you could edit this. You could edit the Lord of the Rings down yeah. to like instead of it every movie being four hours, yeah. like every movie could be like you know two hours on the nose. No, give me that, and cut. it would be, still be great. Give me that cut. <laughs> Also, another unpopular opinion. I liked Harry Potter the first time I saw it when it was called the X-Men. Oh, shit. Those are the two franchises I tend to piss people off about. I don't like Harry Potter either. <laughs> I've seen one Harry Potter film. I think I saw the sixth one yeah. at the movie theater. So not a great choice to watch the first Harry Potter movie watching is the sixth one. And I, and I absolutely <laughs> like, what's going hate on? it. I don't know. Look, we. I don't know what people saw in it. Someone's not really. A, I'm like, you really think that this is the best version of this story? Like, I, I you know, like, no, there's a million other fucking stories that are way better than We've this. We've seen this. God, don't. Uh, somebody's going to pick that on the Patreon and force us to watch that. Don't stop talking about it. Please, please don't. Uh, let's finish with some what are we watching, Anthony, outside of the movies. Anything caught your interest this week? Oh, uh, I mean. The Last Dance. Yeah, That's what I've been watching. Good. I've been watching UFC. They had three. They're gonna have, by the time this episode is put out, they'll have made done three events in seven days Holy in shit. Jacksonville, oh, Florida. Shit. What in the same place with nobody there? With nobody there, wow. in the same exact venue. Wow. Um, so those are the things I'm watching besides movies. As far as movies, I mean, I have to admit, I'm starting to like get a little fatigue. Oh, you might need to take a break <laughs> on like watching a movie every night yeah. and like. These are most of the movies I've been watching. I have to be like emotionally or like really invested just yeah. to like pay attention to yeah. make sure I'm like getting the full experience. Yeah. So it is a little bit of fatigue. So might cool it down. But if I don't, then I'm going to watch definitely watch Gravity, ah, Room, ah. Her. Like these are the next couple movies Catching I have on, on my uh, list. Yeah, that's like late 2000s. Uh, I've been sticking around in the 2010s. Still I've really been enjoying yeah. modern movies. Rugs. I took your advice. We were talking oh, no. about the Clone Wars earlier, and I just watched the four-part season seven finale on Disney Plus, and holy shit, Geek Boner, that shit was fucking amazing. I wouldn't steer you wrong. Uh, Ahsoka Tano is badass. There are scenes where she's doing the Jedi land, and there's explosions behind her, and I'm fucking cheering. And I don't even know what's going on, but they set it up as a nice four-part finale. Uh, what else did you think about that finale, Rex? Well, basically what's going on is that uh, Ahsoka Tano, she left the Jedi Order. All right. She got framed for something and she just said, fuck this. And she left. And then she just so happened to uh, be in the right place at the right time. And so uh, where Darth Maul was kind of like uh, taking over this uh, Mandalorian yeah, Bye. so it's it's kind of actually really cool. Maul was amazing. He is in charge of Mandalore. And then we just talked about Katie Sackhoff playing Bo-Katan. I got to meet her and how close Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano and how great they are together. Yeah. And also that ties in, doesn't it tie into the dark saber that we get at the end yeah, of the well, Mandalorian? Yeah, bo ends up getting the dark saber. And basically the Mandalorians, um, uh, they, they abandoned like their warlike ways to be part of the Republic. And, but there's an out, there's a whole bunch of Mandalorians that still want to keep the old ways. And Bo-Katan's part of that. And Sabine is a part of that. And she's one of the rebels. I think that's this Bo-Katan's sister. She may be on the show too. On yeah. Mandalorian. So, um, and basically all that happens is that, um, Ahsoka 
goes along this mission with these clones that she basically through the whole Clone Wars saga was all those were her 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 group, like the people that she fought alongside. Yeah. So she was like, I'm going to go on one last mission with you guys yeah. and to try and get Maul. And that, that that's what the four episodes. Dude, that, it was better than Rise of Skywalker. It may be better than a whole fucking sequel trilogy. It was. I mean, look, it's a simple story. Yeah. It's yeah. just the Order 66, right? Remember, if you guys remember uh, when you watched um, the prequels, Order 66 is when uh, the Emperor turns all the clones against the Jedi and they, they, the Jedi's all get taken down. This moment is so fascinating in Star Wars canon. I love seeing different perspectives of when Order 66 happens because in the video game, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, so they do that in the show. And I was thinking about what the character was a kid in the video game. There's a flashback and you're with him when Order 66 happens and all of a sudden all these stormtroopers that he was buddy-buddy with say, hey, and they were like, hey, they just fucking pull their guns on him and his uh, his uh, mentor who is, I think, from Rebels, he goes, fucking run, and you have to run and everyone's, all of a sudden your friends are now trying to kill you. Uh, it's so yeah. fascinating. The Kam- the Kaminoans who made the yes, clones. Yes, they put that chip in their head. They put a chip in their brain, so at any time the Emperor could turn make them do whatever they so want. So then that and dude that uh orders. Rex on Clone Wars, I also heard because I think he's going to also be played by Tamara Morrison on The Mandalorian. Like Yeah, he could be Boba Fett and because they're, they're all, all clones. him. Yes, they're all clones yeah. of the one person. So, um I started watching Upload. Oh, what do you think Tomorrow. of Upload? Um it's it's, it's fun. Cute. I'm watching yeah. it. It's not like the greatest thing I've ever seen, yeah. but it's fun, you know. It's like uh it's a it's a little like a comedy ish thing it's cute you know? it goes by quickly it passes the time yeah, it's a cute yeah. little you know I, i'm not it's the girls attract yes nice yes that, uh, that, that always, that's always helps, that always helps. The, yeah the, gonna, am i gonna see her boobs or his not? uh yeah the guy who the girl who's his customer <laughs> rep she's she's gorgeous she's beautiful and she's really good on the show like yeah. and robbie amell is he's not bad i mean he's robbie amell well he they play into who he is. Like he's like some douche, you know, who's always had, yeah. he's kind of like Ferris Bueller. Like he just kind of like this good looking yeah. kid that gets laid all the time. That dies. I watched on Netflix. There was a few weeks ago. There's that movie code eight with Stephen Amell and Robbie Amell. And it's about, did you watch I it? I did. So the setup was interesting. And then I don't remember the rest of the fucking movie at all. So that means it was, it was bad. bad. It was not. It Probably. was not. It was not good. I've been wanting to watch a bunch of movies. I just haven't been able to actually make it. Happen. Don't worry about Code Eight. The concept of I'm, it. I'm is watching them all for you. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, Anthony will watch and let you know. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. That's good stuff uh, for people to catch up on. Uh, we need more Apple Podcast reviews, guys. We're up to 121 now. Wow. Trying to get to 200. So you have an if you have an iOS iOS device and you're in the US. That would be the double. That's the best. But if you don't, leave us a review, a rating anyways. And uh, Jess Rivera mentioned this, and I put it in here. Thanks, just for saying that. If you don't have an iPhone, you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts using iTunes on a Windows computer. Oh, shit. There's still some of those out there. Download the app so you don't need to have just Apple. Just got to be in the U.S. And when we get to 200, maybe they'll let my dumb Kingsman-hating ass to be a movie reviewer. This is probably what's going to... Kibosh I would just thing. do it just so you can have that review up on Kingsman. <laughs> yes, I I'm, I'm definitely need to get my thoughts on Kingsman Interrupt. I mean, I'm bringing that score down, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it was a 90, and now it's down to <laughs> 89, an 89. 89 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to fuck up the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter. All right, well, that's good. Rugs, where can the listener find you online? You can find me on Twitter at ReallyRugBoy. Come by and see Check me. Check out the show notes, jockernerd.com slash 328. That's where I'll have all the shit we talked about, like that list of 99 mindfucker movies. You'll find that there. Links to subscribe, support, get in touch, share the show, subscribe so you never miss a show. And thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. We'll peep you next time. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's really good. My dick is cold. My balls are hot. That's opposite. I fucking loved it. Jogging <laughs> nerd. My ass is cold.